Miniature soldiers, big opinions. This is the Conclave Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Conclave Podcast. Welcome to our smelliest podcast yet. We are absolutely blessed to have a copy of the Death Guard rules amongst us. But before we get to that, let's go through the team. I'm joined today by Rich. How are you today, Rich? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Ed? I'm good. I'm good. The legal department, how are you? I'm all right, mate. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Mr. Quipster? I am fantastic, as always. Fantastic. And the man who has brought the heavenly tome to us is Mr. Liam Dempsey. How are you today, Liam? This is nice. I like this. Very professional. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. This is, I, I've already said this before, right, before we start. This is strange, because I'm not used to being the one that's not leading yeah i don't like it i did mess it up already i was supposed to call him reza because we do nicknames but i literally just read the screen that's how slow my brain is that i, I, couldn't, right, I okay. couldn't figure that so out it wasn't professional no, i take fine. that back I, I don't mind you calling me but, rich because it's better than bdr oh no bdr is the one like Liam, did i tell you what bdr no. stands for <laughs> no no but now i want to know okay so basically we were playing call of duty with winters once and uh rich rocks up Name drop and just, yep. Oh yeah, totally. So Rich rocks up. His first game he's ever played with Winters, and he just starts absolutely smashing people. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's how Rich got the, the nickname Big Dick Rich because he was just swinging oh. it all over Call of Duty. Wow. Well, that's enough about Rich. And on to Liam. You're obviously very close with Quipster um, on DZTV. But so what kind of things have you got planned this year? There, oh, there's tons, man. There's so much planned. It's unbelievable. Some of it I can't talk about, but I'll sort of drop some hints anyway. Um, but we're making we're making kind of big moves in the, in the on-demand content scene, hopefully, this year. Um, so we've got some really exciting things coming for the channel. 2020 was a shockingly... Can you swear on this podcast? Is that fine? Absolutely. Or, yeah, you can like, swear. No, you children. fucking can't. Jesus. <laughs> okay, 2020 was... I'm just conscious, right? 2020 was a shit year for everybody, and it was really tough to kick out content, um, specifically because before um, a recent change, what we predominantly covered was was pretty much battle reports all the time. Um, and obviously, battle reports require people to be in your house filming, and we can't do that right now. Well, not as much as we would like because of the COVID situation. So um, we've sort of had to kind of adapt a little bit and change the way we produce content. And now we've got, I, I actually think this is better. So now instead of just kicking out to you about reports a week, every week, there's a whole raft of content coming out. We've got people doing blogs and vlogs. I've started a new sit and talk series because that's kind of how I started on YouTube. And it's pretty much my happy place. Uh, Alex has started a sort of interview chat type series. There's loads of stuff coming and we've made a uh, a sort of business decision, I suppose, to change our model uh, as a website. This is like exclusive stuff as well, by the way. Oh. Well, Alex knows. <laughs> I know. But this is like exclusive <laughs> stuff. I, I won't give too much away, but... It's so I cool. I think <laughs> the model, the, the sort of on-demand 40K model so far has is, is pretty much been copied, I think, throughout almost every channel that's tried it maybe even every channel and and the premise behind it is we kick out free content on a platform normally youtube and then we then charge you for on-demand content behind a paywall on a bespoke website that's for more content you know it you love it uh, absolutely it's the models work for everyone uh, mini wargaming sort of made it famous tabled tactics have done an excellent job and we've got other channels moving into that same market people like hellstorm wargaming etc and what we're ending up seeing is loads and loads and loads of channels that have their on-demand content behind a paywall i think it's amazing that these channels can do this stuff for a a, a sort of income and some of them are now doing it full-time as well but um i don't alex will tell you i'm not someone who likes to follow trends i don't like doing that 
So DZTV yeah, in 2021 sure. is making a bit of a hard left turn. And instead of just being a channel that exclusively produces content for me and Winters, we are now looking at commissioning other channels in the content world for 40K and, and potentially other gaming systems as well to produce content for us under contract. And then we put that up in Deployment Zone as well. Wow. So wow. We, have signed, we have signed a deal already um, with a company uh, for, and it's a big company. Oh, I can't say any more than that right now. I know Alex, who it is. Is it Games Workshop? <laughs> <laughs> no, Trust we like professional though. content. <laughs> when you when you see bye bye sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> no more books for you. Honestly, though, when you guys see who it is, you'll be like, "Holy shit!" And Quipster, you've kept this to yourself. Yeah, you've lied to me. It's really well, hard. Yeah, well done. You've lied to me. That's outrageous. Wow. That sounds okay. that sounds really cool though. I'm, that sounds amazing. I'm gonna need a minute. <laughs> so, so my my sort of my sort of goal i suppose now with 2020 uh, not 2020 but with dctv in 2021 and then further on is to change the model and instead of just being a channel where we produce our own content my the, the phrase i've sort of coined is that we want to be the netflix of the gaming world the netflix of gaming content so you have multiple channels and what we can do then is we can also do things like we can scout things like youtube we can see up and coming new young channels who are doing well and, and gaining that momentum and before they make that choice to go solo to try and you know make a rev- make an income and turn some revenue, we can maybe grab them early and go. Look, we want to bring you on board, and, and here's what we're going to pay you for a series of videos, and you can put your content and basically you can monetize your content on our platform, and you're going to make a shit ton more than you will with Google Ad revenue because Google Ad revenue is a pittance. Um, I, I think it works out something like every ad that's watched on your channel is worth something like 0.01 cents, if I remember rightly, or something like 0.02 cents per ad. It's Did nothing. Yeah. yeah, so if we were then offering someone X amount of pounds per video, um, instead of the £2.50 they might make from Google AdSense, I'd like to think that they're probably more inclined to go, actually, I'm monetizing a lot quicker with this platform, and I'm going to put my content on there instead of behind my own paywall which in itself comes with its own costs and you've got like hosting costs and, and server space and that kind of stuff so that's the plan for the channel more content from us mm-hmm. that is varied and additional content from other channels as well that's the big plans for this year as someone that is obviously outside DZTV, it makes the channel really really uh, enticing because i'm going to get such a variety if i go there just like yeah. like you say netflix yeah. is a good analogy. and you guys you guys have a you guys already have like, i mean i'm I'm, I'm a subscriber. Um, you guys already have one of the things that attracts, I think, Thank a lot of people to, to DZTV. You guys already have, as far as 40k goes, a fairly varied model anyway. Like a lot of the narrative stuff with, um, you know, obviously Winter's, you know, well known for his narrative side. The more competitive stuff as well that you do. The, the, the um, like Winter's bits, hobby, uh, hobby, hobby vlogs from Sultan. Like there's already a wide range of stuff on there. And I think it's interesting that other channels have started to do more of that when you guys have already sort of got it established. So it's interesting to see how see how that develops. And, you know, th- this can only be like a, another 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 sort of bit of growth on that, which is brilliant. Yeah, I, I wish you all the success in the world. It's always interesting when people say that sort of stuff because um, I think Alex has come to me a number of times and said, look at what these channels are doing. They're clearly doing it because you are. And I, I always think to myself from my very humble beginnings of three subscribers and sat in my living room with a terrible background and a shocking camera and I always think now nah, there's no way they're copying what we're doing like there's no way that yeah I know I can see your background it's beautiful um, there's no way 
there's no way that they're copying what we're doing surely that's not possible surely some of these bigger channels the channels that i watched before i even started putting content on youtube surely they're not following our model and as time's gone on and i know how much i keep an eye on what they're doing as well and it's it's a competitive market right and there is a degree of we want to attract people's custom to our site if they're only going to pay for one subscription instead of to someone else's site like people like tabletop tactics and when you look at Lawrence and his team who kick out incredible content every week and they've got a raft of people now on the books and they've got studio, it's really hard to compete with that if you just do the same as they're mm. doing. In fact, I'd go as far as to say it's almost impossible and the only thing anyone is ever going to have over them is potentially personalities that people uh, like more or people that are able to engage with more than that channel because at the moment they're just leagues ahead when you talk about production quality, when you talk about the type of content and how regular it is, the whole setup. It's just you can't keep up with that. So it doesn't make sense or it didn't make sense for us to try and directly compete with them and we wanted to move into a space that was more focused on for me, the favorite part of the whole hobby, and that is the community. And when people like Sultan are doing his hobby vlogs and people like Alex are putting his videos on and other people are doing army showcases and stuff, they're people that aren't strictly, they're, they're not they're not strictly channel people in terms of, we don't, they're not on our payroll, they're not salaried by us, we don't, they don't get anything out of it apart from the gratification of doing it at the moment. I mean, that may change in the future, but they're literally just people of the community that have come to us over the course of the last two or three years and said, hey, I want to do Sultan quite literally just messaged Winters and say I want to start doing a vlog and and Winters came to me and said I've got a person who wants to put some videos on the website this was last year and I said we were in the height of COVID and I said fuck no I don't trust anybody else's content I remember <laughs> and that that's, yeah that was a, and Winters I think I think you should watch it nope not happening but that was me I'm <laughs> such a I'm such a crazy control freak about content quality and, and how things look and I'm really fussy about it and it's why it's been a really painful journey working with Winters um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's the phone thing that gets me uh, but so I said no straight away and I watched Sam's video the first one that he did and actually chuckled to it and thought I'm enjoying this and it, and it isn't like Sam won't 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 hold anything against me for saying that it isn't like 100% top production value it's not something that you would see out of a YouTuber with 10 million subscribers but then actually it's a really real feel to it mm. and people I think can really relate to what he's doing and I think that was sort of a, a big click for me about actually our focus shouldn't be look at us and what we're doing our focus should be we are part of this community and let's show off what everybody's doing on winters as well because I I do have concerns because I saw the underside of his table in one of his most recent videos where he was showing off. Has, has anybody died from that or at least got tetanus? Has anyone at least got tetanus from he, it? Like, this he, made a statement, he made a statement on that video from that bolt that he said no one's ever hurt themselves on that bolt. And I can categorically say he's a lying fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a world exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I have definitely caught my leg. Well, I ask a question. You, you mentioned about like expanding the kind of maybe the gaming systems you were talking about. Is it all tabletop focused, or are you looking at other, um, well, like systems as like a whole, like video games, or that's actually a really interesting question and something that we started to discuss recently. And my initial focus was going to be solely tabletop games. Um, we're very lucky that we have a sponsorship with uh, Element Games, who are phenomenal. And, and what we get access to with Element actually is their sales figures as well. And they can show us statistically what is doing well in terms of sales and what isn't doing well in terms of sales. And uh, so we, we know, for example, that 40k outsells every market, uh, every product on the market. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and it even outsells Age of Sigmar by a, faction of, by a factor of three to one point 
1.3 i think it was 1.3 1. no it's 1.3 because it's more than twice as much it sells sigma so that's the top two selling products for the element website you then have to go down to number 21 on the list to find any other gaming system as selling and that's below vallejo products and airbrushes and paintbrushes and they just don't sell and i i sort of question what is the point in moving into a market and put a load of time effort maybe even money because we would probably be commissioning other channels to do things like bolt action or star wars armada or systems like that do we really want to invest that money there knowing that we're probably going to have a diminishing return we're, we're almost definitely not going to see an influx of so the the channel we've signed who are who are going to go live on deploymentzone.tv in march will bring us new customers that uh, yeah, there is no will. if buts hands or maybes they will bring us new customers i can guarantee it and i wonder or i look at i tend to be responsible for managing the whole business and i tend to look at something like um star wars and think uh, if we were to invest x so let's say we were to invest ten thousand pounds on a series of videos for that for that particular um gaming system would we see a return at deployment zone because ultimately we want to be able to grow and we want to grow not only to line my pockets obviously but because we want to be able to start paying even more people to come and do their hobby full-time and put their content online so we develop this netflix of content right so everyone can go to dz and go actually i want to watch some major sigma or i want to watch a painting tutorial or i want to check out the rules for the latest death guard codex whatever it might be and, and I don't want to, in the early stages, expand to those systems that aren't going to give us that return. Distant future? Absolutely, because we'll be Netflix, right? So we could put anything on there. However, I have then looked at the gaming market, and that's a that's a flipped sort of coin, whereby if you do it well, gaming content sells, even on YouTube, right? People do it full-time on YouTube. So there's definitely the potential to cover maybe things like uh, Call of Duty or the latest Battlefield game or whatever on DZ. Maybe we could put gaming content on there. The problem we have with that one is we have a market then in, in the YouTube world that's incredibly, and Twitch, that's incredibly saturated. And it's really hard to make that noise. So would I like to cover both gaming systems that aren't very popular and video games? Absolutely. Will it happen soon? It doesn't make sense to happen anytime in the near future because we just won't see a return on it. And it's, a, it's an investment that's just not worth it at this point. So talking about uh, you essentially running all the behind the scenes stuff or the like business end of ZZTV, like how did that relationship between you and Winters evolve in like the first place? Uh, how do we get to start in the business right from the right from the very beginning? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Okay. This, this is an interesting stuff. And how did you get into the hobby actually? Mm. Just if we're going back further out of curiosity. So the hobby is an odd thing for me. I started, I mean, I was aged... 11 or 12 and my nana worked in a charity shop and she gave me an old metal corn bloodthirster uh, that was d donated to the shop and Go, no. <laughs> i had never i'd never done this sort of thing before my old my old man my dad used to do um like model aircraft like world war ii model aircraft so it was something similar to what my dad had done i thought oh, i'll give it a go the next thing we were in my local games workshop in Southampton and and I think my brother and I both had purchased for us by my wonderful mother a box of the old Space Marines I can't I don't it's so bad I don't even know what edition it was and mm -hmm. and, a, and a Rhino I think it was and we put them together and did a bit of painting badly because we were sort of like 12 and then friends of mine at school um ha they played and they played to a point where they had like what would currently be seen as a ton of hobby stuff so we we were there and this guy was teaching us the rules and i later found out that they weren't the rules they were his rules <laughs> and it was the equivalent basically <laughs> to paying 
it was equivalent basically to playing an expensive person's plastic toy soldiers, those little green things that you get. But as a 12-year-old boy with super space-like marine things, that's cool, right? We loved it. No doubt. Um, college years, it kind of went quiet. I discovered beer, women, rugby. Like <laughs> There was no hobby for me for ages. So people like Winters who say they did it the whole way through, yeah, I stopped. Definitely stopped. And I picked it back up again. I, so I joined the forces when I was 18. And I joined the army. And I, um, I did... Uh, two years worth of trade training to train on Apache attack helicopters. I got posted up to a place called Watersham in Ipswich, which is from my home. It's sort of three to four hours drive, so it's it's not one of those sort of journeys you wanted to do every weekend. And the first or second weekend on base, what I found was that it's deserted. No one stayed. Everybody just disappeared. So I went into the local town, and there was a games workshop. And oh, I haven't been one of these for a very long time. So I sort of wandered in, and then it was like, hook, there you go. We're straight back into this because I could sit on camp at weekends with my models, just in peace, doing some hobbying. And that's when the real passion started to kick in. And I even found out that there was a gaming club on site, and they would regularly meet up and play 40k. And I started to learn the rules. And then there was events. There's a there's a, a shop in Colchester called 40k, which we've been to for for um, events before as a channel. And um, they they were doing tournaments and stuff, so I started doing the tournament scene. And in early days, uh, I was more into competitive 40k than anything else. Um, I'm a super competitive person in everything, <laughs> like everything. And I really hate being shit. So I really hit competitive hard early days. And um, and it, it, I'll be honest with you, the narrative stuff. I've always loved the narrative. I've always been. Uh, uh, I've always known the sort of backstory to the horror heresy. I've always been reading fluffing codexes. I don't know it as well as Winters does. I love it, but I don't know it. And and I love it for a different reason to him. So both him and Alex are really keen on canon and lore, and this is what we know from the stories. And I'm a different narrative player. I'm a, fuck what we know, what can I create? What space can I be in? What can my army do? What narrative can I tell? I don't want to fit into the canon. I want to make my own sort of story and forge my my, my own narrative. So I'd always loved that, but I, I was I was hardcore competitive, and it was only when I was starting to create something on YouTube, which happened in two thousand and Christ seventeen, um, with the birth of my second born, and I was taking the late shift was whilst my wife got some sleep because we had a we had an elder kid already, and, and we had my second born. We was up till fucking three, crying and shitting and wanting food. So I just thought, well, I'm sat here doing nothing. I might as well start recording, and that's how I started YouTube. Uh, and originally the initial focus was to be to be sort of on, on rules on competitiveness on what's effective and what's good because i saw what people were doing and and my competitive nature thought i can do that better than other people um and whether that's true or not who knows i always think i can so i'm going to give it a go and and that's how i met a guy called john stewart who ran a channel called Visicast, who was who's based on the south coast and he uh, he owns a video production company incredible production value again liked tournaments very much my kind of 40k player so i started filming battle reports on his channel and doing sit and talks on mine and he then had a booking with winters to film and i was supposed to go and hang out with him for the day and i couldn't so i messaged winters and said um i can't make it i'm so sorry i can't come i would love to have hung out maybe we'll do something and he went how about we come and film for your channel I was blown away and didn't even know he knew I had a channel. And that was it. It wasn't too long before we were sat down doing the, the More Winters Sit and Talk series. And that's how that relationship started, right from <laughs> right from 12, getting my first model. Well, <laughs> Winters, basically. Winters being hardcore narrative, that was then what sort of swayed me more towards, I think there's more value in this kind of content. Because I think there's tons of people... You guys, might, you, I mean, you must watch loads of content yourself. A little I bit. think there's tons of guys <laughs> doing competitive content. Yeah. 
Like I think there's loads of people, and I think yeah. there's loads of people that I like to. I am a competitive person, but I will openly admit I'm not very good at competitive 40k. <laughs> like I'd like to be better. People like Stephen at Vanguard Tactics, people at the Tabletop Tactics guys, some of the other channels, they just do it better than me. And and it's sometimes you have to accept the fact that people do it better than you. And so I stopped and went hardcore down the narrative route. And it, so far, Touchwood, it's it's doing quite well. But there's still a focus on rules and such as well. Mm. Yeah, of course it matters, or else people will spend their time correcting you on YouTube. That's But no one does that because everybody's got something better to do. <laughs> no, no, oh yeah, not during COVID. I mean, that's actually an interesting question. Like when you first started getting that kind of criticism uh, online for like maybe a little rules mistake or something, like how do you deal with that in the beginning? Respond in capitals is the best advice <laughs> for me. YouTube is the devil like <laughs> i love it and i love it and i hate it at the same time it's this is a really good question i my my gut instinct the type of person that i am 10 years in the military when someone gives me that kind of abuse on youtube on youtube my my instant reaction is not something that as a channel you're ever going to want to post because it will never be seen as a positive engagement it just won't and it will only ever harm you later on that was a really hard challenge for me because I wanted to fight these trolls fire with fire. I can be a horrible person if I really want to be. And that's what I wanted to do. Like, that's my natural gut instinct is what to do that. What position did you play in rugby, uh, by the way? And to tell them. I just want to... Just... <laughs> <laughs> I played eight until at the age of about 20, 22. And then I played four yeah, or five. Okay. Just, just con- this conversation, way. the way you're talking about it, it resonates with me. <laughs> Although I'm a wing, so I yeah. don't get in much into the fighting. But I can see, I can see the way uh, you react. It, it makes yeah, sense right, yeah. to me. <laughs> like a rugby player, but but less muscle. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, uh, so yeah, I ten years military and also played rugby since the age of about eleven, I think as well. So that doesn't help. But there's a there's a level of like it's there's a level level, level of laddish culture that ex- like exists in both of those sort of circles, right? Very and some of us would like to say nowadays that it doesn't happen so much and it kind of does still um and maybe it's not right but it does exist and and you kind of have to you kind of have to be a bit robust in those situations to be able to survive to a point right and i think most people that are part of a rugby team or are in the forces would say that that's probably still the case whether it should or shouldn't be in 2021 that's a whole different conversation but it probably is still the case uh and part of that part of my sort of defense mechanism there would, would be to give better than i got so if I got abused, I would give, I mean, a, a, apart from my uncle, if I got abused, I would give as, as bad back as they chucked at me in the first place, right? But um, you can't do that on YouTube. And and I found, to start with, the advice that I got, so that my the mentor I had has been Winters. So, so when I started producing videos and he started doing videos with me, for some reason, he seemed to think I was semi sort of decent at it. So he introduced me to a sponsor um, who wasn't Element at the time. And I went badmouth the sponsor, but the sponsor had a plan to basically create the Netflix of 40k content, and it never happened. And then he broke his relationship with with uh, Games Workshop, and we were looking at it as channels. And, and Winters and I said, "There's no point being sponsored by them if they're not doing 40k. It doesn't sort of fit our channel now because we're solely focused on 40k." And that's why we went across to Element, and we then decided we were going to do what he wanted to do, but we're actually going to make it happen and, and do it ourselves. And that's how that whole relationship started, Alex. Where um he was like winters was like i've got a big audience and i can do content and i was like great i've got no audience but i love tech and i love managing stuff so i'll do that part and you do the content part and we've got basically a perfect relationship but 
up until that point part of the process was winters sort of coaching me and mentoring me on things like youtube and um i will openly so i think i'm really qualified to talk about youtube because i personally believe i've made a ton of mistakes i'll be open and say i've made loads of mistakes on my youtube channel and i'm still learning. I'm looking at one right now <laughs> yeah yeah massive mistake yeah um but and one of those one of those mistakes i think was in the early stages was just not responding to comments at all and and i say that right people are going to sit there and go no that's the right thing to do you shouldn't and and if you can do that and you can cope with doing that if you can cope with saying nothing absolutely it's the best course of action but if that then starts to genuinely negatively affect you as a person i then think i then question if it is the right overall decision to stay quiet i don't necessarily think that you should go and hit them as hard as you can with the most abusive comment you could throw back but maybe some kind of engagement and what i started to do actually was engage with these people but in a really like like genuine like why have you why have you said that why have you behaved that way why have you do you know what i mean like instead of going fuck off dickhead i'm not interested uh, you know go and watch uh, striking scorpion i don't care <laughs> i would i would say look i don't like why is this why is this your response and what did rich say <laughs> <laughs> i would never insult liam there's nothing there's nothing but heart emojis from rich yeah. i'll be honest that's literally true the other and day eggplants. <laughs> yeah eggplants <laughs> yeah all the eggplants uh, but but you do normally find that i think more often than not if those people are sort of called on it but in a polite way most of them who are sat there in their pants with crisp on their chest behind the keyboard will actually probably back down and go uh yeah all right well it was maybe a bit unjustified you know i actually saw that once uh, i saw that once in a facebook group someone was bad mouthing stephen box and he replied and he I think someone said like, "Oh, Stephen Box goes to a tournament and gives it all that because he he like came second once." And Stephen <laughs> Box replied to him and like wrote this essay. It was very polite, very to the point, and just categorized like, "Well, actually, you know, this is what I do. This is the things I've done." Immediate reply from the next guy. Oh yeah, sorry about that. Uh. Do you still find you get that a lot? Like, did you? Is it was there, was there a point where you you had it happening to you a lot, but since the you know the coaching and mentoring, it's happening less or? Um. I don't I wouldn't say I mean I'll be honest with you right I'm not a big channel in terms of the world of YouTube and 40k we're at 13 odd thousand subscribers we've sat there for about two months because two months before Christmas I changed jobs I didn't put any content out at all um so I I wouldn't say I've had it much I mean people like Winters he's had death threats because he changed the style of his content so those nasty people definitely exist and they're out there um I haven't had anything anywhere near that bad I I and and I, I'll be honest with you, there's one person who is actively banned from commenting on the channel because his comments were that negative. So actually, interestingly, this started and it was completely irrelevant to the content I was putting out in terms of rules or what I was doing or my style or the look of the channel. It was as soon as we announced the launch of Deployment Zone and this particular individual took umbrage to the fact that uh, I was making, apparently, Winters monetizes content and uh i could tell he existed because i would put a video up and three and a half seconds later there was a thumbs down on it and within moments there was some comment about i was a i was a horrible individual and i stuff i won't repeat because it really wasn't very nice and i actually you know i actively took the decision just to ban him and, and not allow him to make any more comments because although they say every piece of engagement is engagement for the channel and it's good for the algorithm 
again if it's negatively affecting you constantly i couldn't be bothered to deal with that kind mm. of individual because i actually i genuinely believe that sort of maybe 80 90 percent of people can be talked around and most of them aren't just nasty people i don't think that many people that are just pure nasty exist and i think to some extent the world of social media so like facebook like alex was just talking about with steve there's almost a lot of fire and forget that happens you, you type your comment out you hit send and you can forget about it and it's only when these people get responded to that they suddenly have to sort of be accountable for what they've said and maybe have to try and back it up then with some evidence or some reasons to why they've said it and often those people they'll say it in the heat of the moment they'll be pissed off about something sometimes probably not even what you've said or done and they'll fire away and then when you come back to them a lot of them will will sort of back down i haven't noticed it much but my channel's been all over the place for the last couple of years it started relatively strong it got a bit stronger we launched deployment zone it ate all of my time um we then started another series of live streams that were going onto youtube to try and pull up pull back some content nearly destroyed me had to, had to stop was basically completely burnt out and that's been sort of a pattern that's been happening and it's trying to find that happy sort of regular beat and i've never been there and i would i suspect when i get to the point where i hit that regular beat i'm probably going to see more abuse on youtube because I just think that comes as part of the package, mm. if I'm honest. Not trying to put anyone off <laughs> producing content for YouTube. Just be prepared that that happens. And I don't think it's it matters funny. who you are or how good you are. You're going to get that sort of attention. It's funny you say that because everyone here has either just started or has had a channel for like the last like month or so. To correct Quipster, Rich has bought a computer. I designed a logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a channel with a name. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, a few years ago, I did produce gaming content for YouTube. I did a few Gears of War montages, and it was very, very fleeting. I did it for about, I don't know, three or four months. Um, and luckily, I was probably good enough at the game where I didn't get a, a lot of abusive uh, messages. But again, again, I wasn't very big, so I didn't get a lot of um, uh, like traction with it. So. So I think that's interesting. I think it depends on the space you're in as well. Like I, I follow gaming YouTubers myself, and I don't tend to see as much negative interaction as I see on 40k channels. It's a really weird space, right? 40k, I've already said to you guys that DZ, I want to aim at being a massive sort of community space where we share community content, where we're in it together, we look after each other. I will promote any other channel out there, even if they've got an on-demand service. I don't care if it's Hellstorm, Tabletop Tactics, SN, all of our competitors, yeah, I'll promote them happily because a rising tide lifts all ships and the more people that we've got in, engaged in the hobby, the more people watching the hobby, the more custom for all of us, the more people that can create better content. And it just sort of, it should snowball and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, look at the news articles about Games Workshop lately and how well they're doing. So it, it's growing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's growing. So I would happily promote anybody else, but I have noticed that I, I think that the 40k community, when, when, when a space, when a community space gets it right, is incredible. And I think when it gets it wrong, for some reason, it is so horrifically wrong. And I just, I've never fully understood why there's that disparity between the two types of community in 40k. I've never understood it. And you can look in certain Facebook groups and people will just get smashed for how shit their painting is or how terrible their list idea is or whatever it might be. And you go to other groups and you can have something that look like they painted it with a paintbrush in their mouth and everyone's super like the really good effort like this is how you could improve it but this is a, a great try i didn't know you followed me mate thank you <laughs> it's a nice toothbrush though. no there would be no he's finger paints yeah. don't you <laughs> yeah yeah i, I really actually do it on fingers to, i do it onto a potato and then from the potato onto the <laughs> <laughs> But 
yeah so like the the studio app what i found with youtube if i had to give anybody who was starting a youtube channel advice especially in the early days i would get rid of that studio app and never look at it and i i spoke to recently i spoke to say hi paul so um a lot of you will, will know say hi paul from um from winters and then from dz and he not too long ago started his own youtube channel and he's got a um he's got a joined membership and you can go and join him and financially support him and he's got his own dream that he can maybe go full-time as well and he's an incredible legend within the hobby um and he did he we had a conversation about it because he had some issues that he was facing and what youtube does as a as a sort of platform really really well is really hook you hard and what the studio app does is it gives you a ton of data and you become obsessed with it and if the data is going well and you're gaining views and gaining subscribers and gaining this and gaining that you'll get little green arrows and green is good right and if it's not going well you get little red arrows or and it's and it's it messes with you and then what i did and i'll again openly admit you start changing what you do specifically because of those numbers and you start chasing subscribers and you start chasing view numbers and i think when i did that my content was the worst i've produced and now what I've done is I've changed my tact, I've changed my style, my type of content. I've got two new videos up on the channel that have been up in the last seven or eight days. And I've gone back to what I want to do and how I want to produce it and fuck what the numbers say. Because I believe that if I'm doing that for me, I'm producing my best content. And the piece of advice I would give to anybody is don't look at the numbers, produce the content that you want to produce. And that will be your best content. Yeah, I think your quipster is right. I think we are all looking at doing something on YouTube. I think me and Adam are probably quite similar in that I have a lot of opinions and fundamentally <laughs> they are all correct and the world, the world, the world needs to hear them. Yeah. Um, but moving on to something a bit more jolly, uh, which is the slow decay of the Death Guard. Nice transition. Thank you. I thought that was really good, yeah, wasn't it? So smooth. I thought it was yeah. shit. <laughs> it's all right, I can cut you out, Liam. <laughs> you could have said something like, right, you could have said something like talking of something poisonous and then got onto Death Guard, right? It was, the transition was terrible. You need to, I mean, I know you've only like 14 episodes in, but practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, cool, so we're going to call it there for a minute. <laughs> so, okay, let's talk Death Guard though. Right, because on release right now, it is 11 o'clock Saturday morning. The Death Guard rules have officially been announced. All the YouTubers are, are going through these books. The people want to know what things are powerful, what things are going to shake up the, the meta as it were. But I think before we discuss it, I think I'm going to shoot over to Adam for a kind of Netflix preview as the last time on Death Guard. Whereabouts are Death Guard going into this book, Adam? And then as, as, as context for the people listening. Yeah, so uh, the Death Guard are obviously have or have been um, up and down in the meta. They were one of the early, or they were the first Codex release alongside the Space Marines in Eighth Edition. Um, so they were they were one of the first out there, um, and they are well known for their well, frankly, their disgusting resilience. Which to just quote the the name of their their trait that they all have, their five up feel no pain, um, and they had a habit of just being very 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 hard to kill on the tabletop. Um, they are, however, famously fairly slow. Um, so they weren't, I wouldn't say they were a top tier army as far as the meta goes um, for most of 8th and and uh, 
probably as we got into ninth. However, they got a they got a big old boost from the Psychic Awakening at the latter end of uh, of, of eighth edition, which gave them a load of new stratagems, a load of new relics, um, and some really super strong stuff. So uh, if people don't know, there was a um, there was a, a, a relic that gave you like a four up uh, invun on your on your demon engines, which is crazy crazy good um and uh and and then there was there's there's things like uh, there was a pistol that you shot somebody with a pistol it made all your attacks against that target uh plague weapons and the thing about plague weapons is it gives you re-rolls of one if you're uh if you're re-rolling if you're uh, roll a one to wound and if you had a certain warlord trait it gave you complete re-rolls to wound so they got a big old boost from that um and therefore were considered to be um you know, a lot more competitive than they used to be. Again, I don't think they were top of the tier, top of the meta, um, as it were. Uh, I think Harlequins, Space Marines, uh, obviously, as always, um, were up there. But they certainly were in a better place. And I think the uh, to Liam actually to 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 call out one of your 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 videos you made recently talking about the Death Guard when you were talking about the preview on Warhammer uh, community on the Warhammer community website. Um, of some of the new rules, which we will discuss in a minute, one of the things you said is, oh, that's disgusting. I don't like that. Um, which is, is both appropriate and accurate, because obviously one of the things about Death Guard is they're really bloody hard to kill, right? And we all knew that there are going to be changes that are going to come through the game, again, which we'll discuss in a minute, which are going to reinforce that. So, yeah, they weren't quite top tier, but they just needed a few changes to uh, to get there. Let's uh, Let's fast forward to today and see if they've got them. That's last question. Might it just be worth probably asking one of the the better read members of the the conclave? But who are the Death Guard, and kind of where they came from? Uh, yeah, we. Uh, do you want me? Do you want me to field that one as well? Yes, please. Consider I've got a Death Guard army. Uh, so the <laughs> the Death Guards um, were basically they they were led by um, the Primarch Mortarian. Um, and originally they were they were they're were actually known as um, they're, they're actually from a planet called Barbarous, which is where Mortarian rocked up when he was uh, when he was sort of spirited away by the powers of chaos. And the thing about Barbarous was it is covered in a toxic miasma, a sort of fog. And in the height on the heights of the mountains uh, it, on Barbarous, there lived these kind of pseudo chaos creatures um, that used to prey on the uh, on the, the the ordinary people of Barbarous, the ordinary humans who sort of lived in the valleys below all the fog. And um, Mortarian actually ended up getting adopted by Vampire Daddy, um, by one of them, um, and that's actually who raised him. Um, and one day he wandered down out of the fog, saw that there were ordinary humans who looked a lot more like him, although being a Primarch, he was you know big lad. Um, and uh, suddenly was like, hang on a second, this isn't right. I'm going to rebel against these guys. Um, and he basically turned the, the Barbaran tribes into an army that moved through, you know, were inexorable and in just advancing through the toxic nightmare of this planet, laying siege to these like these creatures, kind of, I guess, fortresses on the top of the mountains. Um, long story short, Big Daddy E showed up um, and uh, and basically he was, Motarian was on the way to kill his adopted daddy, adopted vampire daddy. Um, the Emperor showed up and uh, took care of the vampire for him, which laid a sort of seed of resentment in Motarian because not even he could survive um, in the in the toxic miasma um, at this in this particular vampire lord sort of parrot. So I'm calling them vampires. They aren't strictly vampires, but uh, they were kind of these these kind of creatures that preyed on the humans. I'm just pitching them like 
venturing into the gas in COD or something and being able to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you play Call of Duty, if you play Call of Duty, Verdansk is a lot like Barbarous. <laughs> Basically, imagine a world where there's like a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What would that be like? <laughs> um, so, so the death... Too soon? So the... <laughs> Yeah, it's just like oh, we're li- we're living in Nurgle's world now. We just we're, we're it. We are the Death Guard. Uh, no, but they 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 went off. They joined the Great Crusade, and they basically became known for that that um. Uh, also, when when the the Legion was raised from the tribes of Barbarus, as well as obviously people from Terra uh, and from other other Imperial worlds, um, they became known for one thing, which was basically just the worst nightmarish trench warfare siege situations. They were the guys who went forward and just got it done. Right, so the Iron Warriors obviously are well known for another legion, well known for their sieges. Also, the Imperial Fists. I'll keep Quipster happy by mentioning them. But the Death Guard were the real Yay. like trench warfare, grotty, horrible, worst situations. <laughs> Send them in; they'll just keep advancing forward. And they used chemical warfare, they used biological warfare, and that's why they have the look of the kind of all the gas masks and this inspired and, by uh, World War One, kind of thing. Chance. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it's kind of mm. kind of along those lines. Um, and as you can imagine, they attracted the attention during the heresy of of Nurgle, um, who saw their kind of their innate resilience. Because one of the things that Marines who were from the Death Guard, who got Mortarion's Gene Seed, were known for was just their resilience. It was very, very difficult to kill them, whether with you know conventional weapons or biological weapons or toxins. And Mortarion used to have this practice of forcing his Marines to inhale noxious chemicals to cut, that would hurt them, but it would kind of build up their strength against uh, anyone using it against them in the future. And uh, yeah, they caught the attention of Nurgle and thanks to Kalas Typhon who was the first captain of the Death Guard who you may better know as Typhus these days he was very much in league with uh, everyone's favourite Chaos Marine um, uh, uh, oh god Erebus I was going to say I nearly forgot his name I was going to call him Ezekiel which is terrible but Erebus uh, and and the uh, the force yeah the forces of Chaos and he he basically led them to damnation, and they were infected with uh, with Nurgle's plagues. And unfortunately, the problem was that being space marines and being particularly resilient space marines, they didn't die. They just suffered endlessly from this horrific disease. So Mortarion, but eff- effectively, and this is why he's quite an interesting Primarch, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more later. But what he does is he actually he he doesn't necessarily want to fall to chaos. He hates witches. He hates psychers. He doesn't trust the sort of the chaos gods but he makes a, effectively a deal with Nurgle where he says look if you will relieve the suffering of my sons in the legion I will I will be your your avatar you know I will be the the demon primarch the or the, the primarch of Nurgle effectively and so that is the day that the death guard are born and I think there's a great bit of text in the old codex it talks about how you know the the the, the fleet the the uh, the fleet of the Death Guard that had gone into the warp and had been been affected by all this emerged on the other side and they were completely changed. They were you know bloated. They have like dripping sores and it's all very disgusting. Um, and they are even even in that stage in the Heresy, they are by far the most changed of all the Space Marines, apart from maybe the the Gal Vorbach, who are the um, the word bearers guys who like share their bodies with demons, so they become kind of the first possessed. Um, but the Death Guard are a whole legion of that. So when when the loyalists see them, they just they 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 just think they're abominations, and they are, frankly. Um, and yeah, ever since then they've been running around the galaxy, spreading Nurgle's gifts, Nurgle's love, because that's how he views his diseases. He thinks they're a nice gift for you, um, and generally causing uh, causing problems for the Imperium. The latest one being that since uh, the Cadian Gate fell, and the Cicatrix Maledictum, the uh, the big 
warp rift that now splits the galaxy in two. Uh, Mortarion himself has rocked up in the 500 worlds to have a chat with everyone's favourite XL power user, Rebute Gilliman, um, and uh, gift him with uh, with all of Nurgle's wonderful gifts and have uh, have, have a sort of brotherly chat. Um, so yeah, so that's that's been the latest uh, that the Death Guard have been up to. Um, although again, I'm sure there is more sort of lore development in, in the new book. Bro, use your deodorant, I man. Mean, bro. <laughs> I mean, the thing I, I would say about like the Death Guard and Nurgle is that uh, I personally have always hated the aesthetic of Nurgle. It that sort of like disgusting, like everything's falling apart, corrosion. I've never enjoyed it. But when I read uh, Buried Dagger, which is the the book that details their their fall into chaos, that's the book that made me give a shit about the Death Guard and Mortarion. Because it really humanizes yeah. them, and it, it's it's one of the best heresy books, easily. Yeah, yeah. But so, so it's another yeah, chaos no, army I just... you really like, and you really like the Primarch, but yet you still won't admit that you want to collect a chaos <laughs> army. I'm no, I'm not going to. You're going to do. This. You're going to do oh, clean loyalist death whole... guard. That's what you're going to do. You're going to be like, oh yeah, they <laughs> they've just they've just buffed themselves up and They'll kind of cut off all the horns. They're clean. <laughs> oh my god, no, I refuse. <laughs> but um, I talked I talked to Winters actually about this in. Uh, in the fireside chat, a name that I know Liam hates. <laughs> that was like, I can't be bothered to come up with a name. Fireside, I'm <laughs> um, by a fireplace, like side fire. It was exactly sh- the chat it was invokes, weird. Like, it invokes a certain I, imagery. I listened to the whole chat. Now, I don't watch or listen to content, but there was such good feedback. I thought, oh, I'll put it on. And I listened to the whole chat. The chat was incredibly good. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I mean, the name still shit. But the chat is good, so. You need to, Liam. What you need to do is, you know, you to invest in some nice, like, leather chairs and some sort of silk dressing gowns, so that you know, Quipster and uh, Winters can sit there with like a glass a of brandy and a pipe. Yeah, and it can be like a real fireside chair. Yeah. I say, oh, we're doing yeah, today. Exactly. Yes, we need a green screen, a nice big fireplace in behind him, rather than that. That sort of dreary. Oh, don't, don't, don't do that. You get, you'll, get, you'll, get, you'll get comments. You get comments. Do you see what happened to Norwegian TV when they did that? Sorry, this is a tangent. No. But Nor- so Norwegian in Norway, they have this concept right called slow TV, which is where they just show like a crackling fireplace and stuff. And Norwegian TV did oh, a, did a special this. where it was it was basically a big log fire, and it, it, it I guess this is as heated as the comments get in Norway. Uh, but they there was a massive uh, national debate about whether the logs were stacked correctly. Because about 50% of the country believed they should be stacked one way, and the other lot were like, no, that's an idiot's way of making a fire. You do it the other way. So I'm just saying, we're talking about comments on YouTube. You risk the wrath of Norway. How do you know that? I, 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 so I, Are you single? He was head of one camp. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was head of the, uh, the, the, the perpendicular log stacking. No, I'm not single. My other half somehow puts up with me. I do not know how. Well, what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam, just... just knows a lot of yeah. things we're yet yeah, to find i like i want good to know, like we need to do like a pub well when they open yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's no. could be the thing i'm gonna come up to london for a pub quiz just because i think maybe with you we might win oh no you're very welcome that death guard chatter that was that was very good i was very impressed with that you should put that on youtube that sort of stuff like that stuff that's so that's content that does really really well right people are uh, me i'm inherently lazy because i don't have time i don't have time to do anything so rather than read that shite in the book i'd rather just i'd rather just tune in and listen to someone tell me what happened with the death guard so i know a bit of narrative behind it and stuff like that does actually really well and that was quite good to listen to oh thank you yeah well, well there we go there's my channel <laughs> tune in for more death guard and norwegian log stacking facts yeah <laughs> norwegian facts and death guard
what a hell of a tangent, even for us. But let's move on then to the deck card rules, Liam. So what kind of faction-specific bonuses can death guard players be expecting? I'm going to throw some caveats out quick before I carry on, though. Uh, just because you've said you've said you've you've claimed that this would definitely be going up eleven o'clock on Saturday, um, and I think that probably will be the case. But at this stage, I have a codex in hand, and I don't have my instruction from Games Workshop as to when it can be released. Right, so that might change. So people might be listening to this and going, "Hang on a minute, it wasn't eleven o'clock on Saturday." So that might change um, because obviously. To have this, I have to be under NDA, so we cannot release this until they, we, they tell us we're allowed. And the only other caveat I want to chuck in there is, I received this during a three-hour Skype call today at work, and I've skimmed it before this chat because I knew you guys had asked me. So I've had a sort of look at it. <laughs> so please send. Where can people send their abusive messages when we get to the broadcast? I'll put put Quipster's number in the chat. <laughs> and they can have that. All right. The text abuse line. <laughs> yeah, most women out there have got it anyway, but. Um, Hey, I mean, according to my the YouTube comments I get, I'll ju- I won't get abuse. I'll just get dick pics. That's so, all I'll get. And you love it. <laughs> so there's a there's a, selfies. There's a <laughs> there's a few sort of army specific rules that they've chucked at us. Some of which are quite interesting. Some of which are no surprise. So they have things like um, there's an there's a rule called infernal jealousy. Infernal jealousy basically says you can only have one lord of the Death Guard, um, and you can only have one demon prince of the Death Guard in each detachment. I don't think that's a massive surprise. It's similar to sort of captains and chapter masters from the Space Marine book. Um, you then have another rule called Disease Minions. This one I find super interesting uh, as a rule for a codex, and basically states that you cannot have any, uh, you can't have more Plague Follower units or Poxwalker units than there are Bubonic Astartes Core Infantry in your Death Guard detachment. So you cannot take uh, Cultists or Poxwalkers if you don't have uh, Bubonic Astartes units. Very I am cool, well right? happy about that. So, that's awesome. They stick an example in as well. Bubonic Astartes are basically like Death Shroud, I believe, Blight Lord Terminators, um, Plague Marines. So in their example, if a, da- if a detachment includes two Plague Marine units and a Blight Lord Terminator unit, it can also include up to three Death Guard Cultists and up to three Poxwalkers. So basically for every Astartes choice, you get one of the uh, Plague Followers and one of the Poxwalker choices you can unlock. So you could have three choices in the troops' choice of one, one that's a Death Guard um plague marine unit and then you can have the two others unlocked but you you won't just see armies of pox walkers and cultists to fill troop choices you can't do that well you, you can but you'd also have to have uh bubonic astartes in your elite slots with your, your, your blight lord terminators and your death shroud really interesting rule really like that i was gonna say can i, I was gonna say i i totally agree i love that and i love that because i really hope that's an indicator of where the chaos codex goes because one thing i fucking hate um, and I'm sorry, this is going to upset some people. Uh, one, one thing, I, one thing I will say, sorry to to blow some smoke up your backside for a second, Liam. One thing I like that you do with the Eternal Slaughter is you actually bring berserkers, and the Marines are the mainstay of the army. What I don't like is this thing that we've seen in the competitive meta more, where people just go like, "Oh yeah, I'll take you know a Demon Prince, and then like sixty cultists or whatever." Right? There, there are certain, there are certain armies where i could sort of see that happening from a narrative perspective like maybe alpha legion or or like the iron warriors are famous for using big hordes of cultists but like no it's a chaos space marine army the main thing in it should be chaos bloody space marines right if this is the sorry i'm going on a ramp but that that that, i think that's brilliant that's a really good change i think i think historically you've almost been able to sort of 
split 40k into two kind of main groups and that's the competitive and non-competitive groups the competitive and the narrative so and you're right that especially eighth edition and seventh i played a lot of seventh edition the competitive groups would be i don't care about the narrative of the army and that they would le- use leagues and leagues of corn berserkers i care about tro- cheap troops choices to get me access to all the powerful toys and that's what they would play and then other players who would play the narrative myself with the eternal slaughter in eighth edition were like i don't i don't know if i if cultists hurling themselves at the enemy for me is the narrative i want for the eternal slaughter and a, and a world eaters warband so i don't use them i don't even have cultists i don't own them for the for the eternal slaughter it's all berserkers and some chaos space marines i think what they're sort of doing with ninth edition i think games workshop have arguably recognized that in terms of a core rule set it arguably sort of leans itself a little bit more towards competitive play than it did in the past because there's a lot more clarification that has basically only come from the tournament scene and some of these rules they're putting in there are forcing the narrative element, and I, I personally think that's a positive. And I think it, it leads me to, to think that I can go to more sort of chilled events and know that I'm still not going to be facing horrendous cheese because they're stopping you from doing it. And, and again, I agree with you. I think that's a massive, a massive boon for the game. Yeah, I think it's a common misconception, actually, that people competitive people won't, won't like those kind of changes because generally speaking, competitive people like those changes. They just have to do whatever is the best. Okay, so those kind of changes are really, really welcome because actually they just they just make the game more more interesting fundamentally. Well, it, it levels the playing field, right? So uh, you, the majority, you're right. I agree with you, 100. percent The majority of players, competitive players, will probably like the change because most of them will like narrative as well. But in the past, they would almost have to go down that cheese route because they knew that their opponents would be as well, the guys that didn't care about the narrative. And if they wanted to be able to compete and they wanted to be able to do the best and they wanted to hit things like those ITC rankings, they kind of had to because if you didn't, you were and, and obviously certain players would be sat there people like your Nick Nunavites would be sat there trying to break the meta and, and find something different but yeah you're right I don't think it will be poorly received because it's a level playing field so everyone who plays Death Guard has that same rule like you can't get around it so you're not going to have a player that kind of turns up going here's my narrative Death Guard army with some bubonic Astartes units oh he's just got poxwalkers because he can't do it so that's brilliant I love that as a as a written rule. Uh, Inexorable advance in the previous edition of the codex was um, you could rapid fire rapid fire weapons up to eighteen inches, and you counted as uh, you did. You could move and fire heavy weapons without penalty, and to some extent that's similar. But they've sort of changed the wording. And they've changed the wording, obviously, because of the way the core rules of 9th edition work. So inexorable advance now gives you three benefits. So you count as having remained stationary even if you move, unless you fell back or advanced. So for firing heavy weapons for infantry, there's no penalty. Uh, but also that means that for um, malicious volleys or uh, bolter discipline, for those of us that play loyalist, um, you get that even if you move, you get to fire at 24 inches, which is amazing. Um, they also get the ability to fire heavy weapons uh, without penalty, even in engagement range, if you're a vehicle. So massive for things like uh, plague bus crawlers and stuff like that. There's a stratagem that I found that also plays with that, that not only allows them to fire heavy weapons in combat, but also gives them plus one to hit if they're in combat and allows them to fire blast weapons at enemies that are in engagement range. Oh, wow. Range. That's so cool. that's vile for plague oh bus crawlers. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, massive, right? Really big deal. We'll find it later, and I'll read it out to you on the off chance that I've skim read it and I've got it wrong, but I'm pretty convinced. <laughs> uh, and then Jesus. Finally, the infantry in a Death Guard army don't suffer the penalty for moving or advancing or charging. Full stop. And I, I believe this means that things like, uh, so one you love, Alex, Custodes Tanglefoot grenades. I don't think it works Yay. in Death Guard. I don't think it works. Damn. Quite literally says if it has the infantry keyword, it can ignore any or all modifiers to move, advance rolls, and charge rolls. So that's really I mean, cool. As a custodians player, I'm just going to put this out there and just say that is some bullshit. <laughs> as a, de- yeah. a Death Guard player. With your raft of <laughs> stratagems that you have, 
I watched you play Winters recently uh, <laughs> against the Tyranids, and you're calling that some bullshit? Oh, yeah, what? Was, was it? Hey, I, I mean, hey. you, you cannot you cannot say bullshit, Alex, when you're standing there going, oh, yeah, I just need a yeah, three-up uh, and a three-up and a three-up. Custodius three players, custodius players take three things to games now. They take their codex, they take the Psychic Awakening book, and a bottle of lube. That's all they need. <laughs> hey, you're just saying this after the last time I played your Harlequins. We're not talking about that. That's true. Actually, Rich took out my Terminators in one turn. So uh, he just obliterated them. It was painful. Rich, we need to become best friends. I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know exactly how you did that and then just do that every you time I play. Um, <laughs> so another detachment so the final detachment ability we've got a section for detachment abilities obviously. So the final detachment ability that you get is a thing called Fetid Virion, uh, which is a strange one. Super interesting, really like it. Basically there are models with the Fetid Virion uh, keyword and you're looking at things like the Biologist Putrefire or the Noxious Blightbringer or the uh, What's the guy with the big plague spear? Maybe I've always... Uh, Foul Blightspawn? Those kind of characters. Yeah, yeah, Foul Blightspawn. Uh, you've got the... I think the Tallyman's included as well. So, interestingly, with those particular models, and Death Guard have a lot of them, right? They've got mm. a lot of different versions of those same ones. Um, and even with the six elite slots you get, you probably wouldn't... Some people wouldn't be able to cram them all in. Fettered Virion means that for every three of those types of models you take, it takes up one elite slot. Oh, cool. Ooh. The Ooh, only rule yeah. in that is, the only caveat is they have to be three different Fetid Virion units to fill that one elite slot. So you can't take three Noxious Blightbringers in one elite slot. It would have to be one of three different types of those particular models. Really nice rule, though. I quite like that. Yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. That's really, I'm a big yeah. fan. I'm really liking the way that they're changing up army composition yeah. so that you can't just spam three of everything. Well, it's, it's good though, because as you say, the, the big problem, you know, having a Death Guard army, one of the big problems with it is they have too many of those. Like, they have all these beautiful sculpts of all these little individual characters, mm. but then you just never, you never, you never took them. all of them because. It, you, I mean, let's leave aside the fact that the rules for some of them were a bit pants, but like, yeah, you just couldn't, you couldn't really <laughs> fit them in. Like, No, absolutely. I, I do honestly think, um, having read that this morning, oh, sorry, this afternoon, I do think that might actually be cause for FAQ though. So if I read, oh, so I'll read you the rule word for word, right? You can you can include up to three fetid virion units in a Death Guard detachment, while only taking up one elite battlefield roll slot. Each of these units must be from a different data sheet. What I question is, can you choose to use three elite slots and take three um, blight, blight spawns? Or if you take three blight spawns, must you then take six other models to be able to use three blight spawns? Mm. So are they stopping you from using three of the I same see. without having a variety in there? Is that a you must use one slot for three and then the next slot is the next three and the next slot's the next three, stopping you from taking three of the same without any mix or matching? Or is yeah. that a case of you can have three or a slot, or you can have the same three but it will take you three slots? That would be an interesting I don't know if that will get FAQ'd or not, or whether I'm reading too much into it. I'm assuming it's the exact same wording as lieutenants. You could be you could be cheeky with that as well, because you could go you could you could have, for example, like because the blightspawn, again, subject to his rules changing, the blightspawn is very good. Um you could have like two blightspawn and then take like, I don't know, a noxious blightbringer and a tallyman and just go, okay, well those two slot in with blightbringer A and then Blightbringer B is yeah. just on his own. So ooh, that's yeah, no, I, I think that's the intention. Yeah, no, no, I, I sort of hope it is. That's just it. Just leads to some cheeky combos. And what you're not doing is destroying slots that you would otherwise use for Blight Lord Terminators or Death Shroud Terminators yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I and um, Hell Brutes and stuff. So yeah, I really like it. I think that's a cool rule that means you're potentially going to see more of the character of the Death Guard army uh, in the future. I like to think, but 
we'll see. Um, it then goes on to cover the seven different plague companies, the Harbringers, the Inexorable. Uh, basically, each of those gets a stratagem, a wall or trait, and a relic. Um, they're mostly average to good. There's some decent ones in there. There's some sort of... I've sort of skimmed it earlier. What's really interesting with this one though, is the wall or traits. And the reason why that's interesting is because I think there's a possibility you're going to see more of Matarian. Now, Matarian has yeah. three wall or traits as standard. And he's allowed to take a fourth. And he can choose any one of these as his fourth. And some of them are really dirty. Uh, all of them, however, do work alongside the contagion discipline. Uh, not the discipline, the contagion rule that they've got. So although it's not listed under detachment abilities, it is a detachment ability, which is supremely confusing for some people, obviously. But the contagion rule uh, is one of my new favourite things about the Death Guard, and I'm I'm racing to find it. I pretty much know it off off the top of my head anyway. It's minus said, one strength for a, a particular radius. So basically, oh, toughness, sorry. if your army's battleforged, uh, everything is Death Guard, um, excluding unaligned units. Uh, all those units then get the contagion ability. So I questioned in my uh, like preview video before we got the codex who would have it. I thought that they might limit it to characters, and that might be the sort of restricting factor. No, no. If you're in a Death Guard army detachment and everything's Death Guard, everything gets it unless they're unaligned. And what it does is, from turn one onwards, it's a one inch radius for everything in the army. Turn two is three, three is six, four plus is nine inches, and anything within radius of that uh, unit is minus one to toughness. Wow. So early game. Not so much of a big deal. I said in the video, a unit of gene stealers charging you in first turn, they'll suffer from minus one toughness. But otherwise, not a massive deal. You start hitting turn three and four, and you're looking at six and nine inch ranges, that's pretty vile. Uh, I say that, Motarian's range always counts as nine. Mm. Um, Typhus adds six inches to the range, up to a maximum of 12 inches. So there is things that exist within the codex that make that range longer. And you're talking about making space marines and primaris marines toughness three. It, that's huge, I think. It's a massive change to the rule. And all Jesus these warlord traits that exist for this... Yeah, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> fucking custodies. Um, I loved custodies in the narrative, and then I played you. <laughs> oh, this is where Liam starts planning a Death Guard army. Can we cover Mortarion whilst on it, actually? Because uh, very famously, GW released the data sheet for Mortarion with a load of rules yeah. that made no sense to anybody because we didn't know what the rules were. Notably, uh, there are a couple of things that changed. So, um, yeah, how, how is Mortarion looking? So, um, did they release his points? I don't remember if they gave us his points for him now. Uh, yeah, they they said it was 490, I think. Yeah, he's 490 points. Ooh, he's, yeah. he's like a, he's just the core of your army now if you take him in a, in a strike force or a 2,000-point army. And I question whether that might be putting him slightly too high. But, I mean, the man's an absolute monster now. Um, he's a, we, we've all seen the data sheet. He's a toughness 8, 18 wound monster. So he's gone up to toughness 8. He's strength 8 base now. Um, most of his other stats are pretty much the same. But that's his, his uh, reaping blow and eviscerating scythe that he has is just... I, I don't know who thought of this. They're bad people. So he can choose to, to fight in one or two profiles, and eviscerating bro for him, is, as we've seen, is times two. So he's strength 16, AP minus four, D3, plus three damage and a plague weapon. Hmm. Um, his reaping scythe is he gets to make three attacks for each attack, uh, and he's got seven attacks. You're talking 21 attacks, at strength eight, AP minus two, and one damage. Um, and he's got the contagion ability, obviously, and disgusting and resilient. Disgusting and resilient's changed. I'm sure we all know this now. It's no longer a five up. <laughs> this is interesting. It's no longer a five-up shrug save like it used to be, like a feel no pain. 
it's now a uh, minus one to damage. So basically, like the Ancient's ability that Dreadnoughts get in Space Marine Codex, everything in the Death Guard Codex has that. Big deal when you talk about Fire and Plasma at Death Guard Plague Marines and stuff, because they take one damage instead of two, even if you overcharge. Um, Motarian has that ability, so minus one damage, but he also has one of three Warlord traits, which is um, Revoltingly Resilient. Mm. And I can confirm that Revoltingly Resilient is a five-up Feel No Pain. So he God can- damn! Oh, <laughs> Jesus yes! Christ. Yes! That's brutal. Alex, that Alex, I've got to like finish. I've got to finish painting him. But when we can play again, that Morty is going to be flying across the board at your Alarus. He's laughing. already been battered by Morty Fuck once. Fuck you, man! <laughs> <laughs> and that's Adam. Uh, I think five minutes after criticizing people for taking cultists and chaos space green armies. I am happy. I am happy to to try and be. Missed the narrative, and I'm happy to try. You know, there's the criticisms, but Alex and I say this with love. When I'm playing Alex, when he's bringing his golden boys with their three up invuns, I am happy to be Captain Bree. I am, I am the cheesemonger. That's my place. No, as well, Adam. That's not his only warlord trait. He also keeps arch contaminator, and arch contaminator is changed slightly. So each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack with a plague weapon, you can reroll all wound rolls instead of just rerolls of one. We oh, that anyway. I like the it. Same for range weapons, but you have to be within twelve inches range. So right. no longer can you reroll all weapons for arch contaminator at forty inches away. You've got to be with twelve inches, and that sort of that's alongside all this new. You've got to be in range of the stench and the mm. disease in order to be affected by it. So I quite like that. But he also has another one. He also has living plague. And Living Plague is an aura ability that if you're within three inches of the wall or that unit cannot be affected by any other aura abilities. So if Mortarion is in range wow. of, the, uh, of the Terminators that Alex has and he's got a shield captain behind him, you can shove your rerolls up your backside, Trajan. <laughs> Not happening. Not happening. It turns can I off. just say on that, why I love that is because we've had a bunch of books so far and we started off with the Space Wing book and they were like, hey, we can give obsec to any unit and then blood just went aha not only can we play an obsec to every unit but we can turn off your obsec for any unit and our death card have come in and said ha you get fuck all that prevent you from fighting first that, yeah. no, no, that doesn't yeah. happen now uh, <laughs> well well also just just on the no, just on the arch contaminator change as well i think that that's another really good one because not only like obviously the, the way people always used to use arch contaminator and i say used to probably obviously still do absent this book coming out is you sit some you sit a warlord at the back with arch contaminator with all your demon engines and they just start firing off across the board and you're just re-rolling all the all the wounds but now if it's only 12 inches it makes you be much more and again feeding into like bringing the narrative into competitive play it makes you be much more death guardy you have to advance towards the enemy and obviously with the other changes to you know mm. not suffering a penalty from moving and firing heavy weapons obviously as a vehicle across the game but then also the death guard and extra advance rules that is so that oh it's so fluffy i love it it's great reason i really like that is because that was one of the main reasons not to take morty yeah because yeah. That, that ability was so incredibly powerful that because mortarian had to take that warlord trait and you pretty much have to make him a supreme commander because you want to pay the cp for him that you'd have to take him given that warlord trait and now you don't have to do that uh, well there's no reason to to no, no reason to drop him for something else which i think is a really big deal because we want to uh, see Brad the Lance. other thing i was the other thing i was going to add as a custodius player <laughs> This is all bullshit, and I had it all. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> can I, uh, Liam? Can I just ask? And sorry um, to go slightly off the the Mortarian data. Is it, sorry, is there any, is there anything else on the Mortarian data sheet you want to talk about before I jump on to something else? Because it's yeah, it's, so there's a couple of things to cover. 
Death to the False Emperor yeah. is gone. I can't see it anywhere. It doesn't exist. But same as this, what's interesting is same as Hateful Assault. There's no Hateful Assault either. So where Marines really? kept Shock Assault, Hateful Assault's gone. Death to the False Emperor's gone. I like that though. I like that they're differentiating the two the two factions. That's I cool. I do. I do mm. like that they're differentiating. I 100% agree with you on that one. But I don't like ever loyalists having access to more toys that we don't have. I think Hateful Assault even makes more sense than Shock Assault if it's going to be one mm. way around than the other. But hey, I, I don't care. He also counts every battle round as four. So Toxic Presence means he counts every battle round as four. So when you're looking at all these auras that he has from the ability and being minus one toughness it's always nine inches for Matarian so he starts off of it being nine inches away and obviously he's a character that can fly 12 inches so that that's a big deal I think you can see a lot of tactical moving now for minus one toughness bubbles and like I said that's three warlord traits that he gets but he gets access to a fourth one and you can pick the one you want from the seven play coasts mm. and you can choose the one that you best suits Mortarian arguably um, and they're all linked to the contagion range of that model so these warlord traits for a normal warlord will be a one inch range in the first turn Mortarian no nine inches so that's a big deal I, I question how worth it he is at 490 points but with a four up invulnerable save minus one damage five up feel no pain you don't want to go anywhere near him actually he's got arch contaminate which everybody wanted anyway mm. i would argue he's he's a decent unit i just don't know whether that might be slightly too expensive we'll see everything about this scares me <laughs> it's very tough to tell if big big models are going to be worth their points because they they bring so much but cost so much so uh yeah we'll see people will say the same about Catan, and now they've had to raise, raise the points on the nightbringer so the thing that interests me with the matarian as well is that you can dump him on an objective pretty quickly, right? Mm. Because if we talk about ninth edition and we don't talk about narrative play, we just talk about the generic missions. It's an objective-based game. If I put that model on an objective, is anyone want to go anywhere near it to take it off me? Mm. You're not going to want the to. Nightbringer. Everything's aura. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, touche. But he's good. And like I said, he's got access to all these additional warlord traits and you could pick one. So you even get a degree of customization with Atari now if you want to. I like it. He's a good model. So, so I guess and, and I guess we can talk about those, those warlord traits and the plague companies, uh, if if that's okay, as, as I guess our next thing. But the the question, hey, I, it's your podcast. You the, tell me the question. The, <laughs> you're you're you are the you are the Lord of Plagues, mate. You've you've got the book. You're you're the tallyman reading from uh, from Nurgle's uh, list of uh, diseases. But um, what I was going to say was is the the question I suspect every Death Guard, particularly competitive Death Guard players, will be asking, and it's not about warlord traits, but it is about the plague company. So I'm hoping I'm not forcing you to flick about in the book here. Is relic wise. Has have the poxmongers still got the iron clot furnace? Um, and while while you're while you're checking it that says out, says iron clot furnace. It says iron ah. clot furnace. What did it do before? Right. So the iron clot furnace before meant that models in friendly poxmongers demon engine units um, had a four up invulnerable save whilst they were within seven inches of uh, whoever had the relic. So, Good Lord. so much like a lot of changes that have happened in ninth edition where instead of being an aura where everything within six or seven inches is affected this has gone down the same vein as things like re-rolls for chapter masters and stuff uh iron clock furnace in your command phase you can select one friendly poxwalkers demon engine within six inches of error until the start of your next command phase models in that unit have a four plus that's phase. good that's good fantastic less castling what we yeah see. yeah less castling yeah because because that's what i mean right so that that was the that was the end of the <laughs> That was the post-psychic uh, as I smashed stuff everywhere in my anger. Adam's, do you know, Adam's do you know, so excited do you know what, about Do you know what the funniest thing was? That was, that was the actually, Demon that, Engines. That was, was actually, that was the shunt off the front of a, uh, a half-built uh, <laughs> crawler as well. So that's impressive. Um, Thank God it wasn't Mortarian. 
Uh, no, but the, the strategy people would use is they, they would sit, there, as I say, about the arch contaminator thing. You give your warlord arch contaminator, you give him the po- the uh, iron clock furnace relic, you sit him in the middle with two plague burst crawlers and maybe some mephitic blight haulers, and there's your castle, and it's boring, right? This is, yeah, I think it's right. It's going to be movement, and it's going to be a lot more interesting. I think I think one of my biggest complaints that I had with 8th edition on the whole was the the sort of inference of castles and how castles became the thing that happened in 8th edition and and you were borderline punished if you didn't use them and I didn't like that and and I've got a ton of players who played marines marines I would argue are one of the worst for castles because they had so many acts uh, so much access to so many different types of rerolls and uh, I mean my my best friend Brom is an ultramarines player and he has a well-painted gullyman that he loves and he almost didn't want to bring him he almost didn't want to bring him because it just it was it was too it was arguably too strong and it and it forced him to play in a way that he didn't want to because you're paying a points tax for an aura ability because that's obviously factored into the points so you want to make use of it otherwise what's the point in having that aura ability and then you end up with a big castle and for me that's not 40k the changes to those auras the, the chopping down the board size all the stuff that they're doing I'm so for it because I've played games now where you are in every quadrant, in every quarter, all across the battlefield, the stuff going on. That's war for me. That's what I love. Isn't this one of the big reasons that you uh, quite liked ITC rules in 8th? Because it, it it meant that you had to go out into the board and actually do things because of the secondaries? So I had a I had a poisonous little hatted troll in my ear who used to tell me forever, fuck tournaments, don't like tournament players, tournament players are bad, like, constantly. <laughs> I think he said, I think he's got a message on send every 20 minutes that just comes through to the phone, fuck tournaments. Um, and, and so in 8th, I didn't touch ICC for ages, and it was only sort of near, not even, I guess, 6 to 12 months before the end of 8th edition, I finally discovered ITC. And it was only because I went to a Hellstorm event because I wanted to support the team up there and go and say hello and meet people and that's what i use events for i'm never going to win an event i'm not good enough i go to mingle and just chat to people because i love the sort of like i say the community feel and the social interaction and he was playing itc rules i turned up having not read the rules pack because why would you do that it's <laughs> boring so i got there and oh it's itc what does this mean you need to pick secondaries okay what are they and, and i learned on the day and actually came away from that going they were some of the better games of 40k in eighth edition i'd played because of exactly what you said alex because it you depending on the secondaries you picked you could pick secondaries that meant you didn't need to castle that encouraged you to push across the board do different things and i like the fact that it added a semblance of balance that i didn't think really existed at times in eighth edition so yeah i love that and i like the way that they're going with ninth and there was some comments actually on a one of my first videos i think it was about um eighth and ninth edition and the differences and whether it was a success changing to ninth and someone said in discord um one of our discord members said that I don't think you needed to change the core rules. I think you could take eighth edition, put the FAQs in the rule book, and release it. It would have been fine. And I, and I, he's not wrong. It would have been fine. But I like the fact they've actively tried to change the behaviour of some of these armies and the way that they play. I personally think it's a positive in the long run. Mm. Come on, Tyranids, rebuild from the ground up, please. <laughs> so yeah, Liam, for context, uh, Adam is in in the process of building a Tyranids army. I mean, is I'm he? in the. I mean, I'm in the process of mm. doing all sorts of things, but yes, the Tyranids army is, is the 2021 New Year New Army the process thing of that every I've army. decided to go for. Adam, you can also be my best friend. Are you doing? Oh, yeah, I thought you might say that. <laughs> Happily, this is like another. This is like a whole new exclusive again. You're getting all of it out of me tonight. Bloody I haven't hell. even been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I have a um, I have a bet on with my tattoo artist for 2021. <laughs> 
who suggested to me that it was physically impossible for me as a person to start a brand new army from scratch and finish it before the 31st of December 2021. If I fail in that challenge, and that's painting of 2,000 points of a new army, then uh, I'd have to send him that whole army to have himself. If I'm successful, he'll do a whole day session on my arm for free. So uh, that's about four or 500 quid's worth. So it's in my best interest to do this. But then I had to look at the armies that I hadn't yet started, and there wasn't many. So <laughs> I started a Tyranid army. Nice. <laughs> so you thought days. you picked the one with the most models? <laughs> no, no, no. Rippers for troops, nothing but monsters. Yeah, big boys, big chunky monster mash. I saw. Do you know what I saw? Actually, I saw a great list like described the other day, and I'm going to butcher the name. So apologies to him. But I think it was uh, Inez Wilson, who's like one of the the Team Scotland guys, who's been on uh, like 40k today and 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 various other ones. But he 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 was making a suggestion for what he called like Doug. Doug Dimmerdome and the Dimsdale special or something which is where you take a uh, you take a bunch of dimacarons which are the big forge world like prey and mantis looking things and then just loads of uh, hieroduels which are the sort of squat um uh, uh monsters from forge world and that that's your tyranid list and you just go right cool away we go <laughs> so there that's how you beat your that's how you beat your tattoo artist <laughs> I Lovely idea, but in the last five days, I might now own about two and a half thousand points of tyranny. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've been getting some of these pictures, and I'm just like, Liam, what the, what the fuck? And then I got this, and I've got a complete unpainted Death Guard army upstairs as well. I'm like, oh, oh. now I want to do Death Guard. And my tattoo artist is going, no, Tyranids, dickhead, or no deal. Oh, for God. Actually, what he's doing is he's saying, yeah, paint Death Guard, because he knows what I'm like. <laughs> and he knows I'll go, oh, all these Tyranids can go in a cupboard, and I'll do the Death Guard. So, yeah, he's that's, a horrible man. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I'm glad, I'm glad to, uh, yeah, fellow fellow sort of Tyranids newbie um, <laughs> starting it. I'd say I got I got the uh, I got the box, the you know, the, the Christmas one they did. So I got that, and I yeah, and also um, uh, Ed's very kindly. I think my, my my partner asked Ed what she should get me for Christmas, and he was like, "Get him a swarm lord." Um, so I've got like one of those knocking about now that I've just built. So uh, so yeah, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. I've got to do got to work on my scheme yet, and I also need a, a cool name for the hive fleet. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see if we get to unicorn. Oh, I thought we I thought we. I thought we decided. Well, I, that, yeah, I, th- I think so. Oh, yeah, I haven't. It's not final yet, but I was going to go with Hive Fleet <laughs> Draugr. I think that was a. Uh, I think, nice. Rich, have you got like Tourette's? You just shout unicorn. <laughs> I like. I like that. I appreciate that. I fleet unicorn. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm if, a fan. if you have, if you have, if listeners have high fleet suggestion names for myself or Liam, if you're taking them as well, I don't know if you are, um, then please feel. I spent like a good hour and a half looking for you. Like, yeah, like, Rich, you really death. got into this. You did a lot of research. You were yeah. like basilisk. Oh no, someone's probably taken that. Oh, it's very like, obvious. oh no, you, you did a lot of work, mate. You did a lot yeah. of work. I appreciate that. And then Unicorn was the best one I came up with, Lipno. <laughs> High Fleet Unicorn, yeah. There's little horns on the top of every single one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> and painted pink and white, definitely. I like that. To be fair, actually, I really like the idea that you've got for the narrative between Adam, yours, your army, and Ed. Oh, yeah. Uh, your gene yeah, so the, so the idea, Liam, behind, behind the High Fleet is basically Ed, Ed has a gene stealer cult army uh, that is, is all very cool. It's all very sort of, I'll let him talk about it in detail, but it's converted. It's based on like a farming, like an agri world. Um, and so the idea behind my High Fleet is we are, the, we are the Tyranid High Fleet that is being called by his gene stealer cult. That's where his patriarch comes from. So that's the sort of narrative link between the two of them. 
I have so much time, so much time for people that do loads of conversion work because I start with the best intentions to do that and I just can't be bothered about a third <laughs> of the way in. I go, oh, why did I do it this way? Why don't I just build the models as they were? And now I'm committed and I fucking can't be asked. And the people that commit to it and they end up with these glorious bespoke armies take my hat off to them they're incredible they're like my favorite this is why you've got so much forge world <laughs> just in your I, I have so much forge world actually massive shout out to forge world customer service so i ordered the forge world ripper bases right because the standard plastic ones are dog shit uh and i've, I've bought four <laughs> sets of three because i need three sets of three but you know you can always you can never have too many spares and two of the boxes turned up with 40 mil bases three 40 mil bases and two of the boxes turned up with a six a single 60 mil base in each one I was like, ah that's no good and i had a real purge at the end of last year where i chucked a load of shit away that i didn't need or donated models to people and went do you want this do you want that and i gave loads of stuff away i, I think i gave chris giles i think i gave him about two and a half thousand points of plastic eldar that hadn't been painted and i just got rid of loads of stuff get rid of it get rid of it get rid of it and have a purge so i could buy a whole tyranid army and um you're the reason i've got all these marines exactly yeah and yeah. and i so i, I emailed forgeward on sunday when i opened the, rip, the rippers to clean them up and i was like oh that's not helpful and i haven't got any spare bases so i just emailed forgeward like, uh just so you know i got some 60 mil bases if you could send me the bases so that'd be helpful um you might want to check the ones because they're like sealed blister packs right so mm. you might want to check some of your ones to make sure you've not got the same problem <laughs> got an email back today just sent me two new packs of rippers brilliant Thanks very much. Portal customer service <laughs> is so good. Nice. It's incredible, right? They just go, here's a whole new model. I want to. Was... Sometimes I want to pretend to complain to get a new one. <laughs> that was a lot of other companies. You just would, you just would have got told. Just would have been, oh yeah, no mate, it's just a big swarm. Just, just live with it. What's funny though <laughs> is I bought a model. I bought a model from Forge World about a year ago. I don't remember exactly what the model was, and it had a horrific, a horrific cast line on it where where it slipped. It had a horrible, horrible resin slip on it. And I emailed was Forge World and said. It might have been. And I emailed Forge and said, look at this resin slip. How the fuck do I fix this? All the sanding and green stuff in the world is just never, it's never going to keep its shape. This is horrendous. What do I do? And the response I got from then on that occasion was basically, fucking man up and get on with it. Okay. okay. I'll, get the, I'll get the sandpaper out and we'll try. <laughs> so missing a base, whole new set of rippers. Complete miscast, basically. Now nah, get on with it, mate. Okay, cool. Right. So it depends on... Who's in that day? I think. I think it depends on who's on the other end of the emails. <laughs> Ask for Gary. Sort of day they're <laughs> Brilliant. We've talked about Mortarian. He is he is certainly very very important. But there are lots of important changes that we're, I think people are keen to know about. Not only specific to Death Guard, but also things that might hint at things to come. We've already talked about Demon Princes. That's a huge change. The fact you can only have one. They are certainly one of the powerhouses of the Chaos demon book and chaos space marine book so zinch uh, as well massive change for zinch armies for sure, for, sure. For, for thousand suns yeah and so what kind of changes uh, have we got for typhus i will get you to the page right now my friend brilliant he says there's tons of rules tons and tons of rules typhus okay so uh he doesn't look to me all that different um he has still got a four up invulnerable save because he's got diseased terminator armor so um the cataphraki plate plate has changed so Catafraki plate used to be half your advance rolls gone. That's disappeared oh, thank completely. God for that. So Catafraki term, yeah, you advance as normal now, which is I think really a real big change. Um, uh, his his cleave is now is is a man reaper or whatever you call it. His mastercrafted man reaper has now got two profiles, so you can hit at plus three strength, AP minus three, flat three damage as a plague weapon. 
um, and you minus one to hit, but he's weapon skill two plus anyway. Or you can do two attacks for every attack instead of one, and he's got six, so you'll get 12 attacks with Typhus. Uh, strength plus one, so strength five, AP minus one, one damage. That's, so that's really super good. cool. Um, again, his um, his ability to reroll isn't there, if I remember rightly, so he doesn't have... Oh, no, he does, actually. Lord of the Death Guard. When a friendly Death Guard core unit is within six inches of the model... Oh. Oh. So, so that's an aura ability as, as well. That, that's, like a unit. that's new as well. Because that was a weird thing about Typhus, and I, I think the Lord of Contagion as well, who I'm assuming is on a similar page, was that they weren't... They didn't have the Chaos Lord ability. So they, they introduced so, in Psychic Awakening, certainly for the Lord of Contagion, they, they bolted on the ability to make them into effectively a Chaos Lord. So the Lord of Contagion also has the Lord of the Death Guard aura. When a friendly play oh, company core unit is within six inches of this model, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, reroll hit rolls of one. So that's really cool, actually. Yeah. I didn't think he'd gain that, and that's something I just found. He's got a, a new rule called Vector of Disease. Add three inches to the Contagion range of Contagion abilities. The model has to a maximum of 12. So in um, turn four, his Contagion range ability is 12 inches rather than just the nine inches. He starts off with a four-inch Contagion range, which is, is pretty cool. Um, he gets Host of the Destroyer Hive, which used to be a really terrible rule, if I remember rightly. Uh, in your command phase, you can select one enemy unit within six inches of this model and roll a dice on a two plus. That unit suffers D three mortal wounds. It's like Ooh. smite. Yeah, because ho- host of the destroyer hive used to just be buffing up poxwalkers. That was the add one to strength and toughness of poxwalkers. Which is now master of the dead who walk, which is an aura ability. When a friendly poxwalkers unit is within six inches of this model, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, add one to the strength characteristic of that attack. They've lost the plus one to toughness because they've got a base boost to their toughness to toughness four now. Mm. so the toughness for anyway so he keeps that ability and host of destroyer hive has changed um and he's a herald of nurgle so he can be included in any death guard detachment without preventing other units and detachment from carrying a plague company contagion this model can carry uh, can only carry a plague company contagion if it is in a harbinger's detachment so you can chuck him in any detachment but you'll only get the plague company benefit if he's in a harbinger's one so that's cool as does, well does this all mean your basic lord of contagion who you didn't really see much before. Uh, has his abilities changed? Because I, th- I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was an extra war gear option on his data sheet. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. So for the um, Lord of Contagion? Yeah. So he has the Vector of Disease. He gets to plus three inches to his Contagion abilities as well. Still sits in Disease Terminator armor for a four-up invulnerable save. And he has the Lord of the Death Guard aura that we spoke about. Um, he's got a Man Reaper and a Plague Reaper. Uh... And he can, this model's Plague Reaper can be replaced with a Man Reaper or, and one Orb of Des- Hang on, wait, let me. Yeah, I think this is it, the Orb of, orb of Desiccation. Yeah. I'm getting old, my eyes are screwed. That's the one. So <laughs> if he starts off with his Plague Reaper, brilliant. He can, that's a, that's a normal times two strength, AP minus three, flat three damage, which makes him strength A, AP minus three, flat three, and it's minus one to hit, and he's weapon skill two plus as normal, so he's hitting on threes with that. But he can chop that in for a Man Reaper and this Orb, and I think you'll see it. The, the Man Reaper is a plus three. AP minus three, flat two damage, plague weapon. Uh, or you can hit two attacks for every one attack, and he has five, that's ten attacks. Uh, strength plus one, AP minus one, one damage. It's really big that they're bringing this into a lot of these models because I think they'll see a lot more play. And then he's got this orb of desiccation, which I've not seen before. A six-inch grenade that is three D3 shots. Uh, strength four, AP minus one, flat two damage. Blast plague weapon. Um, the bearer Whoa. can only shoot this weapon once per battle. So it's once per battle, but... 
That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. good. Not, at two damage. You know, you know, it's funny that I can. <laughs> you sort of, you sort of see that the only reason, so that that orb of desiccation. There's only one Lord of Contagion model who has any kind of orb like model on him, which is uh, if you guys remember Lord Felthius and the Blighted Cohort or whatever they were called. There was that like weird box you could buy that was just one Lord of Contagion with a big smile on his face, holding up like this ball that was dripping with oh. plague gunk, and he came with two, yeah. two like blight, uh, two death shroud or blight lord terminators um so he's it's quite funny they've introduced that because then it's like oh we've now got a reason to to use this model if we want to show him with the orb what's <laughs> what's super interesting with things like the lord of the contagions because I, I i question whether you'll see them and the reason why i question whether you'll see them is because now you have death guard chaos lords and death guard chaos lords and terminator armor mm. and they're chaos lords and chaos lords and terminator armor but uh, and I raved about this on the video, and I will continue to. They gain disgustingly resilient. They gain contagion of Nurgle. Uh, they have sedulous of corruption. So now you have toughness five chaos lords with minus one damage and the contagion ability, rather than just a chaos lord plucked out of a chaos codex painted green. Yeah. Um, really big deal. Awesome. Uh, and because of the potential for loadouts on him, you might see him more than you'll see a Lord of Contagion because you've just got more variety. Yeah. And don't forget, they've now got Deadly Pathogens. And Deadly Pathogens is an ability that you have within the detachment now. And if you have a Death Guard character models um, or a Bubonic Astartes model with a champion keyword, I'm, th I'm remembering it, but I've got it here in front of me somewhere. Uh, here. You can pay points to upgrade them. So this is like, I guess, going for a chief apothecary or a master librarian, and you pay a, a point, and that point gives you an ability. So, for example, Vicious Death as an ability, uh, you could pay that 10 points that costs you to stick that on your Lord of Contagion with his grenades, and each time you roll to determine the number of attacks Meg with this weapon, you can re-roll the result. 10 points. Lovely job. Thanks very much. All fantastic. Um, foul, foul Blightspawn likes that yeah, each time there's another one, corrosive filth. That's twenty points. But each time an attack is made with this weapon against a vehicle unit, add one to the damage characteristic of that attack. Now you can stick that on your Lord of Contagion if you kept his original, uh, his original flat three damage weapon. He's now got a flat four damage strength eight weapon when he's attacking vehicles. It's quite tasty, isn't it? There's, some, there's lots of little ones like that as well in there as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It it was always weird that that you had the Chaos Lords who were like strength four, toughness four. Like, like you said it in your video about what was it? Um, uh, what's his name? Winters, Winters guy, Sabat. I don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> He's tough as four. That, oh that yeah, came okay. up in the Bad Moon pub quiz. What is the the the, the one Nurgle unit that doesn't have that rule? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Adam was like, I don't right. know. Have you got any <laughs> questions on Norwegian fireplace? <laughs> <laughs> now those I can answer. <laughs> Yeah, I think generally that's really positive uh, because I think your um, what we want to see is Liam kind of umming and ahhing there about it. Well, this is really good and this is really good because it means no matter what is in your Death Guard army, you should be really excited. And that definitely seems to be the case. I think all of yeah. those options sound fantastic. One thing I do just want to pick up on because it is really, really significant. You mentioned the Apothecary. Does the Plague Surgeon, as lots of people have questioned, give 6-up fill no pain? Because that is a big deal. While a friendly Bubonic Astartes infantry unit is within three inches of this model, each time that model in a unit would lose a wound, roll a d6 on a six plus, that wound is not lost. Interesting. Still very, very good. Mm. Still very, very good. You know, like, like you said earlier, you're going to have to take more Plague Marines, so that's that's a big deal. But really, really cool. Fantastic. There is obviously also a relic you can chuck it in, which increases the range of that aura ability by three inches as well, so you can make it a six inch ability, but that will use up your relic to do that. 
that's can, that's I, can I just say this is really great to see because um, I don't play a care of Space Marine factions, but my, my mate AJ does, and I have to hear a lot about how Space Marines are horrible. So it, it is, <laughs> one of the best things a Space Marine player can hear is how good Chaos Space Marines are going to get because uh, it makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, some of this is in a vacuum because I haven't done a lot of looking at points. So, for example, if you look at Mortarian's rules in a vacuum, he is shit scary and one of the stronger units I think the game has seen. But at 490 mm-hmm. points, when you take it out of that vacuum and you look at what you potentially could get for the same points cost, are we going to see him loads? I don't know. I'm not sure. A lot of these rules, I read them and think, Jesus Christ, they're so strong. But if you could only take, uh, if you could take two or three units less than you used to be able to take, maybe it's not going to have as big an impact as perhaps we think. The problem with that mentality, Liam, is and whilst I do completely respect your opinion, it does completely diminish my ability to get outraged on the internet. <laughs> and so therefore, <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you. But uh, thank you. Thanks very much. But it just sounds like a lot of options now. Like you, you can yeah. build a list in so many mm. different ways, which will make for so much more interesting, hopefully more interesting games and different armies you're facing. Well, and it, well, it's just no, just that, like, Lord, just that Lord of Contagion thing. It's like everybody yeah. has those units in their army, right? Where they're like, oh, like this never sees any play. It's just not good. And that that was a good example. It yeah. just never saw any play, and now it's like boom. Plague, plague surgeon. Plague surgeon's the same. You're, you're absolutely right. It's like plague surgeon was the same. Nobody took the plague surgeon because he was crap. Like he just he just didn't do anything for you. For, but now even that with the, the six that feel no pain, that's that's really good. It's really good. <laughs> when, really. You, when you factor in the fact that they've lost their feel no pain across the board, yeah. it's actually quite a big deal. And if you give him the fulgurus yeah, helm, I think it's called, and you make it six inches, that's pretty bad. Uh, pretty badass. And then when you look at the fact that he still gives wounds back, end of your movement phase, this model can heal one friendly bubonic Astartes infantry model who is within three inches yeah. of it that you, regains up to D three lost wounds. That's you know he he offers you he offers you something now that's worth looking at him for his points. I wonder if they're going to have to FAQ him bringing back bikes or something or the, the Death Guard equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, he is just infantry, isn't he? Yeah, we we don't uh, have any bikes, so we're all right. <laughs> bubonic, yeah, bubonic can start his infantry, but like I say, also remember the rule we talked about right early on at the start of the Codex as well. He he arguably, depending on how you build your list, won't even take up an elite slot. Because you can have up to three of these types of characters in one slot. So if you have already got a Putrefier and you've already got a Blightspawn, he doesn't take a slot up. You yeah. check them in, you get one slot for those three characters. That's, that's even more mileage for your model then Pretty because cool. you don't you don't then stop using a slot that's potentially for a Hellbrute. It's good they're using rules like that. Like you said about the Lieutenant, but also reminds me, and actually with the upgrades, it reminds me a lot of the um, the Cryptex and the Cryptek Arcana that, uh, yeah. that the Necrons can take. Because it's exactly the same thing, right? You do the Royal Court, you bring one Cryptek, you get one you sound like a sound like that advert for uh that, that window company that was always on tv you know you, you take one cryptech you get one free i said you take one cryptech you get one free it's just like it's just <laughs> it's just a wonderful <laughs> bonus um so uh but yeah the 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 the, the question the, the question i I'll, another question i want to ask just on while we're on the elites and we're looking at the um the 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 uh, plague surgeon is actually going going about the foul blightspawn. So one of the things the foul blightspawn did that was was very powerful in his previous ability was his revolting stench. So he had this seven inch um, basically f- fight last aura, um, and obviously they've been looking at adjusting fight last auras. Putrefying stink. At the start of your fight phase, you can select one enemy unit within three inches of this model that unit is not eligible to fight this phase until after all eligible units from your army have done so so again calm down to three inches Mm. um which is good i like it things like the some of the death heads grenades has changed as well so the death heads unholy death head grenades that you had (laughs) six inch range 
Grenade 2d6, now strength 5, AP minus 1, 1 damage. Um, only shoot it once per battle, blast plague weapons. So. The flamer he's of cool. Doom. He's still decent. Assault d6, 12 inch flamer. Strength 7, AP minus 3, flat 2 damage. Okay, um, yeah, that's not bad. Automatically hit and plague yeah. weapon. Okay, and can, so, I, can I ask this because it's a big one? Uh, Hell roots, because obviously they are a huge indicator of what is to come this edition. Um, and obviously. Uh, Dreadnought's got minus one damage. However, I'm going to guess they don't have that unless it stacks. So, what do Hellbrutes get in ninth edition? Hellbrutes do not get disgustingly resilient, but they do get monstrous resilience. Each time an attack is allocated to this model, subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack to a minimum of one. Now, I would like to think they've done that simply because it aligns with the Heretic Astartes Codex. It makes sense. But I also question why the fuck they put that in there when they could just put Disgustingly Resilient in the rules. I don't understand why they've done that. So that is a cop. They have just done a calm copy there. Bit of a shame. But, but I'd imagine that means that they are going to get it in the... The, the good news being that they'll probably get that same wall for Heretic Astartes and stuff. They'll get that yeah. minus one damage like, like lawyers have got. Okay. Uh, which is good. Interesting. And the, the other big question from, from my end um, is... Demons, uh, do you get Nurglings? Do you get Plague Berries? Are they, are they in this book? I haven't noticed them, and that's because they don't look like they're in here. <laughs> Fair enough, that, that's that question. Um, just because they were in the 8th edition codex, and they got taken out because of detachment problems. Um, and, and so I was curious whether they would go find a way to put them back in. But if the answer is no, the answer is no. So the, so the, and this is something that's in, a really interesting point, actually, as well, because in 8th edition, I liked the fact that the god-specific demons were in the codex and that they're potentially you could include them in the detachment, but they didn't ever actually allow you to include them in the detachment, so it was a kind of a pointless entry. And I, as a Chaos player, I really wanted to see more ways in which we can have demons fighting alongside Heretic Astartes, personally. It's narrative. It happens a lot. And we don't have that now. It's That's been pulled out of this codex. And to do it, you're going to have to take two separate detachments. And uh, I I was kind of a bit irked in 8th edition. It makes sense to get rid of it because it's cleaner and it's tidier. And they were not used anyway. But I'm a little bit sad that they don't exist. In those is there any summoning in this book? Uh, I can confirm now having a very quick skim. There is no rules for, um, for demons or summoning at all in the Death Guard Codex. And interestingly... Even the Chaos Boon table has been removed from the Stratagem section and is now really? sits only within the Crusade section. Oh, okay. So even the Chaos Boon table is gone. With these rules, they're very interesting. There'll probably be a lot of hype and excitement to get a Death Guard army. So where would you start with painting one? And don't just say Typhus Corrosion. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, actually looking up what's in the Death Guard Combat Patrol because it's a, it was a good... Um, it was a, looked like a good kit just in terms of where, where you start generally. So, yeah. I mean, that probably is not a bad place. I mean, in that, so you get... Sorry, guys, I'm having to look at look this up live. So don't worry, Liam, you're not the only one we're putting on the spot. Plague Marines, yeah. Pox Walkers... Ten Poxwalkers, some Plaguerines. Typhus. Don't worry, I'll do it for you. Typhus. Yeah, Typhus and the um, the guy with the injector gun who's got all the grenades on his back that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Um, Biologist Putrefier. Yeah, that is right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the, the combat patrol in terms of in terms of models is a good place to start, I think, if you, if you want to build a Death Guard army. But obviously, Plague Marines are the core of it. So, I mean, in any way, you can get yourself some Plague Marines. They're also, they're really cool sculpts. I know Alex hates them because they're all grim and grimy. So much. Um, but they're, they're, the other thing about them... The other thing about them as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, somebody who look, I, I'm not that good at painting, although I'd like to think my painting has improved. The Death Guard were like a lot of people in eighth because we bought the starter sets. They were one of my first armies. The Death Guard are so good to paint because whatever skill level you are, 
you can have fun with them, right? Because they are super grotty, right? They're very detailed models. And if you want to go through and pick out all the little details and all the little, like, they have nurglings hanging off them, the little demon guys they have. You know, I'm looking at, I've got Typhus next to me, right? And he's got, like, this big cloud of flies on his back, which is sort of made of smoke with lots of individual flies in it. He's got, like, a nurgling sat on his knee, like, clinging to his chest. You can, you can, you can go through and you can pick all of that stuff out. Or you can go completely the opposite direction and just slap various shades of contrast paint on it. And then, like, yeah, I mean, Rich, you say it, like, oh, don't just say Typhus Corrosion. <laughs> but seriously, throw Typhus Corrosion on. Throw Riser Rust on there. Make them look dirty yeah. and grim and filthy. Throw and them in a puddle. Dry... <laughs> yeah, yeah, throw them, in a puddle. throw them in the mud. Um, <laughs> this is this is all getting a bit uh, a bit BDSM now, uh, but yeah, you, um, mm-hmm. you you can you can really you can really um, yeah you can I'm really listening. mess about with them and and get you know lots of dry brushing. They're really they're a really good army to like learn how to paint on. I think because essentially you can't really cock them up, right? And people may disagree with that, but I, I think with the Death Guard, they're they're meant to look gross. So if you if you mess a color up or stuff pools, right? If it's a contrast paint. Nobody cares. It's still going to look good. Um, and as I say, like dry, lots of dry brushing as well is a really good technique to learn on the Death Guard. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, they're, they're a really good one to start with, I think. So the lack of clean lines is the thing that irks me. Listen, it's clean lines. Look, there's a clean line sort of around the nurgling in this sort of <laughs> diseased pool area here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're also actually um, a really good technique. I mean, the other thing as well, like Typhus Corrosion and Nurgle's Rot, which are two of the technical paints, are really fun to work with because Nurgle's Rot is basically this kind of goopy green stuff that you can get. And uh, I'm holding up to the camera now for the guys in the podcast. You can sort of see a puddle of it there that I put on, on Typhus at the bottom, sort of flowing out of his, his like little tube he's got on his base. Um, and typhus corrosion is is your like muddy um like muddy lumpy sort of dries quite gritty uh one so you can put that on them as well just to really bring out the uh bring out the um the the sort of grotty look on them and one tip i one tip i heard the other day um i think actually to be fair it was on we've already mentioned it on hellstorm wargaming um was that um you can put if you if you are using um nurgle's rot this is so this is top tip of the day um if you are using nurgle's rot um if you get the i think it's casadora yellow which is like the old um wash ink sort of orangey yellow paint that gw make that like barely anyone ever uses if you do a layer of that over typhus corrosion uh, sorry over uh, nurgle's rot it really like it makes it look really good and it because it, the yellowy orange just blends into the sort of like sickly green color um and it just gives it a lot of depth like really really quickly um so yeah that's that's my top tip but um oh sorry that's somebody's top tip that i've <laughs> mercilessly pirated um but uh, but yeah they, they're they're a really good army to start with and and honestly if you look at the model and you're intimidated by it because of all the detail like don't worry just just throw yourself at it because you'll you'll do a good job and there are so many good death guard schemes out there you can take inspiration from fantastic um so just just generally then liam is this is there anything from the codex that you also wanted to mention i I think i've asked kind of my my burning questions you obviously can't go through every data sheet was there anything that really stood out to you from any part of the book one of the biggest changes, I think, um, which Death Guard players will be super happy with and uh, Heretic Astartes players in general will be happy with is all the demon engines are now Blister Skill Weapon Skill 3+, plus instead of 4+, plus, which is a major oh, change. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, you look at the um, one of the biggest and most popular units Death Guard have ever had, which is the um, 
plague burst crawlers. You're now talking a 48 inch uh, heavy D6 blast weapon that's strength 8, AP minus 2, 2 damage, doesn't need Dynasight, and is Blitz's skill 3. plus. That is undeniably powerful in this edition. Doesn't need line of sight, hits on three, strength eight, AP minus two, two damage is huge. Um, so I don't think they're going to go away anytime soon. It's still a toughness eight, 12 wing model. Um, Blight haulers have gone up in points quite substantially, uh, which is interesting. But they've obviously got the new melter rule as well. So D6 plus two within half range for their multi melter. Um, that's. Uh, they might see less play. Bloat drones have got better. They've lost a mm. wound, so they don't degrade anymore, which is brilliant. Um, I, people say, oh, they've lost a wound, but they take minus one damage to everything, and they don't degrade anymore as well. They keep the, the demon safe. They can carry that plague as well, I think, is a really significant thing. Yeah. Um, there's very few fast yes. units. So they the have army. contagion. So being able to get it up there quick. They have contagion on a unit that's a 10-inch fly. So you can fly 10 inches with it, and you've got that contagion ability as well. So turn two, three onwards when it becomes a six-inch range. They are causing minus one toughness. So now your um, Plague Burst Crawler sat backfield with your blo- with your drone floated forward, can fire out a line of sight with strength eight, and your um, knights will be toughness seven because you're within contagion range of a bloat mm. drone. Big mm. deal. That makes a massive change, right? It's, it's huge. Um, and even the... Fle- I mean, I think you'll see more flesh mowers because you're going to want to get them forward anyway for Contagion Rage. I think that's how we'll see them played now as floating stench bombs that that's, that's fly forward. And the reason why I would look at the flesh mower is because you're talking at, um, at the, the melee profile of three attacks or three hit rolls instead of one for every attack. Four attacks base. Wow. Twelve attacks for the flesh mower at strength seven, AP minus Love two, it. two that's damage. very good. Strength 7, and the thing is, also remember, it's a melee weapon, right? So Strength 7 sounds good. When you look at the, the Man Reapers and the size, Strength 7 sounds good. And people are forgetting to factor in the fact that mm. they're also at minus 1 toughness because of Contagion range. toughness 5 on 2s. So Strength 7 is Do you, do you know what? Massive. That is someone, is someone who loves, is someone who loves his um, Mortifiers in the Sisters, the Sisters of Battle Army, which uh, if... if people don't know the mortifiers have a very similar ability you give them the twin plague flails and they basically dole out what 15 strength 6 ap minus 1 1 damage attacks per model this is like a souped up version of that it's like less attacks but you know even even more deadly i love it it's great less attacks but it hits it's like a train yeah yeah. (laughs) okay brilliant and what about cloud of flies actually out of curiosity cloud of flies that was a stratagem for pox walkers right is that a minus one to hit it's the one that stops you getting shot. So it's very, very powerful in 9th edition. Uh, as a strategy named Cloud of Flies, it's disappeared. Interesting. It doesn't mean they haven't got something similar, but it's gone currently. That doesn't exist. Uh, uh, oh, no, I lied to you. Oh, Jesus, shit. That's <laughs> um, Cloud of Flies is there. I found it. Uh, use your strategy. When you start your opponent's shooting phase, select a bubonic Astartes infantry unit. So Astartes infantry unit, not poxwalkers, from your army. Until the end of the phase, each time an enemy model shoots, if that unit is not the closest eligible target or within 12 inches of that model, then that shooting attack is... Uh, uh, until the shooting is resolved, that model cannot be the target's unit. In addition, at the end of the phase, if the selected unit had the bodyguard ability, it loses that ability if the selected unit has the terminator keyword, blah. Uh, if it, oh, no, so... So it's you can only use it on people on a mm. units, which are Plague Marines, uh, uh, the Death Child, and uh, uh, the other Terminators. Name escapes me right now. Uh, if you put it on the Terminators, if it's got the Terminator keyword, it costs four command points. Whoa, <laughs> if you put it on normal, if you put it on normal bubonic Astartes infantry, it costs two. I'll, I'll show you that I'm not lying. Two and four Bloody command hell. points. 
for that strategy. I would say one, one significant buff there, though, uh, is that that is in your shooting phase. So before, it was in your what would be now your command phase, at the start of your turn. That's a really big buff to that stratagem. Yeah. That's why it's gone up yeah, so much. It's the start of because, your opponent's yeah. shooting phase, absolutely. If, you're, if you've spent all those points on those, quite frankly, amazing Plague Marine weapons, and you want them to reach combat, um, you don't have to build your whole army about around it. But actually, well, you can still use while it. While we're on the uh, stratagems, yeah. if I may, one one question just pops into my head. And this is, I think Ed has covered the ones that everyone actually uses. But this was more just a slightly hilarious, janky combination that people used to use in 8th edition. Is Blight Bombardment still in there? And is it still 1 CP? So if, if, Wait, is that the green? Yeah, so if people don't know, just to say what Blight Bombardment... Blight Bombardment was a 1 CP strat that basically was before uh, a Death Guard unit shoots or fires Overwatch. Uh, when resolving their shots, every model in the unit that is equipped with a Blight Grenade, so all your Astartes carry them, can use their Blight Grenade. And what you used to do was pair that with the Biologist Putrefier. Yes, it's Biologist Putrefier. Because uh, he had the ability to basically make their grenades um dole out like mortal wounds so people would do that like i think you, oh, you, there's a few channels if you look around on youtube you'll see people have done it in battle reports where people do this stupid like mortal wound grenade bomb thing it was a ridiculous combination but th- yeah. does that still exist and, and there was there was other stuff that you could do you could have 20 plague marines that would all have maximum shots of their grenades that were doing mortal wounds and stuff yeah, it was disgusting and you would delete units easily all of the things you've just mentioned sort of exist but all of their rules have changed <laughs> so the blight sp- the blight spawn, the blight spawn's ability to buff blight grenades it has changed. Instead of dishing out mortal wounds, they now go to AP minus one and two damage. So blight grenades are normally strength four, AP nothing, one damage. He now gives them AP minus one and two damage. Mm. I think that's decent. Again, you're six inches for a grenade. You might even be in contagion range, so your minus one toughness, so your strength four is decent, and you've got AP minus one. And um, blight bombardment exists. Uh, use this strategy in your command phase if a death guard warlord from your army is on the battlefield. Select one point on the battlefield and place a marker on that point. At the start of your next command phase, roll 1d6 for each unit within 6 inches of the centre of that marker, adding 1 if the unit being rolled for is infantry unit and subtracting 1 if the unit being rolled for is a character. On a 2 to a 6, that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds. On a 7+, plus, that unit suffers d6 mortal wounds. The marker is then removed. If your warlord has the Lord of Virulence keyword, the stratagem costs 2 CPs, otherwise it costs 3 CPs, and you can only use this stratagem Interesting. once. Interesting, so it's all built bombardment, basically. Yeah, I, and I don't know, it says that on a 7+, plus it's d6 mortal wounds, I don't yet know how you get to the stage of you do 7+, plus it, for that. Did it say you add so plus 1 be... to the roll if it's infantry? So you, you roll a 6, and then that gives you your... Uh, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. It does, absolutely, yeah. So on a six, infantry is suffering D6 mortal wounds if they are within range. <laughs> it's, what's good about it is it's good areas of denial. You can put that, put that marker on, a, um, mm. on, a, on an objective, and it doesn't say that it has to be... It selects one point on the battlefield and place an objective, uh, place a marker. It doesn't say it can't be within two inches of an enemy. Or So you can dump that. Your opponent's got a castle, sweet. Drop your Blight Bombardment token right in the middle and make them split up. So it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's not as good as it was before, I think, with those combinations that, you, that you're talking about. Um, again, quite fluffy, yeah. though. I quite like it. Well, the Death Guard are all about the sort of like long-range artillery nonsense, right? So it's uh, it's good. Brilliant. Wow. Okay. Anything else, Liam, that you wanted to uh, to mention? 
loads <laughs> there's loads in here but I, it's, there's it's uh, if the strategy this, so i've skimmed a lot of the stratagems and i'm not going to go through every stratagem with you because we'll be here until mm. tomorrow um but work there, is overrated there isn't many that, <laughs> there, <laughs> there isn't many that are bad the relics are all semi-decent the contagion discipline is mostly thing we've seen before it's basically if you're thinking about it if you're thinking about this codex I'd go for it. It's a decent codex. There's lots of flavour. There's lots of character. It's gonna it's gonna give you lots of narrative flavour that makes the army fun to play, and it's gonna I think hold its own. And I say that with a minor caveat: I haven't looked at the points cost of everything. So as long as they are relatively balanced in terms of points, I think you're gonna have loads of fun with this army. I think yeah, I think they're gonna be very very good. I I think that points are a thing. But judging by how play marines are twenty one, I don't know all of the points, but that as a basis for this book is a hell of a place to start a primaris marine is 20 points yeah. and they don't have the ap don't have the attacks but they're minus one damage they're just and they've, they've got better weapons it's just the t5 they're going to be incredibly good mm. um i just yeah no, no doubt in my mind i think i'm excited by it yeah I'm really excited yeah by well, it. well like, like liam says we would be here all <laughs> night if he if he was allowed to answer every single one of my questions but unfortunately i think um, I'm going to have to wrap up here. So thank you so much for coming on, Liam. Um, obviously, both our listeners will probably <laughs> are probably on. They're probably listening because they fancy Quipster. So I imagine that they'll have heard a bit. But just in case they haven't, uh, where can people find you? I don't. I don't like giving out my address. <laughs> okay. Damn. <laughs> no, it's serious this day. So um, you can search my name, Liam Dempsey, on YouTube, and I've got a YouTube channel there. We also have a website. As we spoke about it for the first sort of half of the podcast, www.deploymentzone.tv. There's loads of hobby content on there, and you get access to our community and the Discord and stuff like that. It's amazing. Um, uh, there's also Alex will scream at me if I don't say this. You can find Liam Dempsey official on Instagram. Look at him shaking it like it's all he cares about. Instagram. It's all about Instagram. Uh, you're missing one. What, what am I missing? Tell me what I'm missing. Deployment's own Instagram. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> that one. <too. laughs> it's deployment zone. Deployment zone. TV. TV on Instagram. That's yeah, absolutely. I don't. I can't. This is why we have other people managing our social media, Alex. Because I'm really bad at it. I know. That's why <laughs> I'm the one doing it. That does get confusing, though. But yeah, I like genuinely. Because I was messaging the, someone on DCTV Instagram, thinking I was talking to Alex, and then it turned oh, yeah. out I was talking to you, and I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> And if I known I was talking to you, I would have anger. That's always funny. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> no, the, oh, no, no, the funniest one was when one of my friends messaged DCTV, and then Liam starts responding, and then I start responding, and it's like one of my female friends who doesn't know anything about Warhammer. <laughs> she was just like, what female the? friends, yeah. yeah. That was weird. I assumed she was just after me. <laughs> I just assumed that. Part and parcel. I would have no. Um, but no, I genuinely really appreciate it, and I'm quite happy to come and do this again. Oh, with you absolutely, if you want. yes, please. <laughs> Amazing, Thank fantastic you. to have you. Uh, all right, well, let's yeah, let's sign off. And as a group, Rich, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at, at Reza Prime on Instagram. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Brilliant, uh, Adam. What about you, mate? Yeah, so I am at ADR Wargaming, all one word, uh, on Instagram, and hopefully coming soon to YouTube. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Quipster, as, as well as messaging DZTV, <laughs> where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at QuipsterNerd and on YouTube as well at 
quipster nerd. Fantastic. And you can all find me at the Sandman Hobby, or you can find us all at the Conclave 40K on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. If we, we've learned a couple of things today, make sure you roll your Death God models out in the mud. Make sure you <laughs> never go on YouTube, ever. <laughs> and make sure you buy a lot of Death God models. But thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.